Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I want to pray a special prayer tonight for these children. For we know that this is Beltane. This is the second most wicked satanic day on that ritual abuse calendar, Lord. For those children who are in bondage, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you raise a standard against them. I pray, Lord, for all the wickedness that the enemy is doing today. I pray for all the people that are suffering, Lord, all the parents looking for their children, all the witchcraft working demons and everything in this world, Lord, that are coming against your body. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind it and cast it out, that you crush the head of the serpent, Lord, because this is what we came to do. And I pray for those who couldn't be there, Lord, but I pray more importantly than anything, get your people out of themselves, Lord, please. If you've got to shake us up, if you've got to show us what's really going on, Lord, please do so with your power. Lord, please give us revelation of where we are and how late we are in the game. That we might serve you as true servants, Lord, that are righteous, full of anguish. Lord, place anguish on the hearts of your people, not because we want to see people hurt, but that we truly understand that there is nothing greater than loving you first and loving our neighbor second. But Lord, I pray that you take away the spirit of apathy, the spirit of, you know, just carelessness, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you pour out your spirit upon us, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every antichrist working spirit, every demon dog spirit out of hell, Lord. I pray that you bind these things, that your people be set free. For this is the time, Lord. These are the times that try men's souls. And I want to pray a special prayer for Deborah's friend, Lord, who went into labor early, Lord, or whatever's going on. I pray that that baby be saved. I pray if it is any demonic spirit that comes against that baby, that it will be born healthy, Lord, that it will not be lost. For you came, Lord, to save lives, and your commandment was to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth, Lord. Well, I pray in Jesus' name that we become those righteous trees that bear forth good fruit, because the life of Jesus Christ is in us. I pray, Lord, that no man's heart be heard tonight. I pray that no flesh be glorified, Lord. I pray that you be here and you give us your spirit of teaching that we may be all edified, that we may present the gospel to other people. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. I pray for little Easton tonight, Lord, that the enemy's coming at him. I pray, Lord, that you crush the serpent's head and keep him away from these youth. I pray, Lord, over Devin, Lord, who's struggling with so much in his life. Lord Jesus, in your name, deliver him from all these things that are coming against him, Lord. The devil has no power over your people, Lord. But, Lord, we need you to rise up in this time. And may we be considered faithful servants that we could ask for such a thing. You said, Lord, if we ask and doubt not, it shall be done. Well, I proclaim in Jesus' name that these kids be set free from the demonic forces that are binding them. I pray for our sister Alyssa, Melissa. I pray for my sister Aline. I pray, Lord, for my brother James and my brother Jake and so many out there, Lord, that are dealing with what they're dealing with, Lord. 
I pray that you turn their hearts back to you, that they have a full understanding that it is not about us, but it is about you and your adversary. I pray, Lord, that you empower us and you give us everything that we're going to need and that you keep us on your path that we may all make it in. Lord, we pray that you do these things for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe it and we receive your words. We know that there is nothing too hard for you. I like that uh, verse in uh, Numbers 11 where he says, Is the hand of the Lord waxed short? And the answer to that is no. There is nothing too hard for God. He will do. If we if we hold up our end of the deal, the Lord will hold up his. So, you know, we need to be faithful because isn't he worthy of all praise, all glory, all honor? We can't even afford to give him the praise that he fully deserves. Hopefully one day in heaven. So tonight's study is going to be called, Are You Single? Are You Single? You know, and... uh you know, I don't want people to think that the reason that I brought this up is because they found out we're a dating ministry because it's got nothing to do with that. But it has got something to do with how faithful we are to the Lord. You know, because the Bible asks for us to be single in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we do on a daily basis that bother the Lord. And we just got to learn to walk with him. You know, we definitely want to pray for more grace. We're in this place of growing in Christ. But I just think that I'm praying that the Lord gives us all more of his singleness, all of his enlightenment, his illumination, that he allows us to follow him fully. Because, I mean, you know, if we really take a closer look at who our Lord is, man, he's worthy of everything. I mean, you know, all he's asking for is a body. And, you know, we don't want to be like Cain where we're giving him everything except what he asked for. So I pray that the Lord makes a way that we can all serve him, that we can all be true and faithful before him. Because he truly is worthy of that type of respect, you know, in labor. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a thing that I want to get off my chest tonight, too, because I feel like, you know, uh, the New Age is something that's really crept into churches. And we have to be aware of, there's a there's a huge doctrine going on right now that um, if we don't pay attention to the devil, then he won't pay attention to us. You know, there there's people that have been killed in witchcraft where people have actually told them that if we, um, if you don't believe in voodoo, nothing will happen to you. I'm sure, I'm not sure if you guys ever heard that before, but when someone says, hey, you got to be careful, man. This person may place roots or whatever. And you say, oh, no, well, I don't. if you don't believe in it, it won't have any effect. That's not true. Only the blood of Jesus can get us past these things. But, Sarah, do you remember one day when we went to go get baptized at that church? And there was a girl that was involved in witchcraft for yes. years. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, she was a part of this satanic ritual abuse and everything. And everybody gave a testimony. You know, I gave mine why I decided to get baptized at this time. And there were other people that were doing it. But this one woman said, you know, I'm giving my life to Jesus because I know that demons are real. And and all these things have gone on and everything that's been done and all this stuff has been happening. And did you see how quickly she was shut down by the minister? 
And, you know, my thing is, I'm, I'm wondering, what did she say that was so wrong that that had to happen? She was telling people through her experience what they needed to know. But the pastor said, uh, well, we don't focus on that. We focus on the good side of Jesus. And we got to understand what his goodness is. And, you know, if you ignore it, everything will be fine. But see, that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I believe in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walketh around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's another one, I think it's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, where it says that we are not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And then there is, um, what is that, Ephesians 5 and, and 9, when it says, Awake thou that sleepest, or oh, I think that's 10, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So these are things that we ought to be aware of because, you know, New Agers, I'm going to tell you who doesn't believe in the devil. You guys will never believe the answer to this, which is if you're involved in the occult and you're a witch, they do not believe that Satan exists. They do not believe in Lucifer. And a lot of this stuff gets brought into the churches. They will tell you, even New Agers, we don't focus on that. We focus on the goodness of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you that's a damnable doctrine from hell. I'm not saying that we don't focus on Jesus. Yes, we do. But the only ones that don't want to talk about what demons are doing are demons. It is important that we understand this. Why? Because the devil has been for a long time ignored. For a long time, people are saying, oh, man, the devil ain't nothing. And meanwhile, he's taking 3,000 babies a day. He's destroying lives. He's taking over churches. I'm not ignoring this clown anymore. And Lord, forgive me. I don't mean to call him a clown, but I'm not ignoring him. I'm going to expose everything that I know about him, and I'm going to speak about him. Because what the devil has managed to do was turn us natural-minded. He told us, well, there has to be... Uh, uh, um, a logical reason as to why things have happened. But don't blame the devil. What happens when you tell people, well, the devil did this and that? Don't blame him. Blame yourself. You be accountable. Now, that's true. You should be accountable for what you do because God gives us choices. But what we've got to understand is this guy is lurking in the shadows. He's lurking in the shadows. He's trying to get you to leave him alone. Even though the wisest of men that have followed the Lord, this guy has made foolish. Jesus called him the God of this world. Jesus refused and contended with him and did what needed to be done. But we cannot war a good warfare for Christ if we ignore the devil. I'm not saying to praise him because he is nothing compared to our God. But let's not be foolish and recognize, too, that he has traps and he has snares. The devil wants you to go to sleep so he can do what he can do. Well, it's time that we expose him and we expose people to the light of Christ so that we can war good warfare. Mm -hmm. And this is why when you talk spiritual warfare in churches, people don't want to hear it. You know why? Because they don't even believe the devil's doing anything. They don't even believe he exists. This was his master stroke to get you and I just thinking about the goodness of the Lord, which, of course, you know, without it, we wouldn't be where we are. But the devil himself is hiding in the shadows saying, yeah, don't worry about me. Go on and do what you're doing. Meanwhile, he's taking people to hell in mass. 
So we're not going to talk about the devil tonight, but I just wanted to bring that point forward. You better understand what New Age doctrine is. The New Age doctrine is they do not believe in the devil. They don't believe in exposing anything. They just want to focus on light, light, light. Now, let's ask ourselves this. If that is so, if that's what we're supposed to be doing, then why did Jesus talk about hell more than he ever talked about heaven? Why did he give parable after parable, warning people about the things that can hold you back if these things were not meant to be mentioned? So Jesus obviously knew if my people are going to follow me and they're going to come after me, they got to first know what's going to befall them. What will be your biggest problem? The disciples asked him in Matthew 24, Lord, tell us, when will these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? The first thing Jesus said was, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. He said he talked about wars, rumors of wars. You know, what did he say? Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and wars. Why? Because the Lord wanted his people sober. He wanted them to be sober, to recognize that, okay, while we have the time, let us have the joy in the Lord in us, and let us, let us touch everybody with the gospel that they might receive it. But what the devil wants you to do is, yeah, you can give Jesus some time. But what I want you to do right now is be content, have fun, enjoy, so that the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ may never go into you. The devil already knows halfway in doesn't work. He stopped a whole nation of people from going into that promised land because he was able to cut their path. But what we got to do is, of course, keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We are to proclaim victory in Christ. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But we also have to recognize we have a real enemy and he is alive and he is very deceptive. He's not just going to come with two horns as a fire-breathing dragon. He will come as your best friend if need be. He will come as a family member of yours if need be. So let's get into this. I don't want to stay on that, but I just want you guys to be aware. When people start preaching that stuff to you, you better recognize where you are. Because the only people that don't want to expose demons are demons. I'm not saying the person is a demon, but they may be influenced by one. And that's why Jesus told us that you are to be sober. I'm not, not sober. He says, I have not given you a spirit of fear but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. Because when you are generated by fear, fear will make you believe things that you wouldn't normally believe. It will make you do things contrary to God. So what we need to understand is God never gave you a spirit of fear. I'm not saying be afraid of the devil by any means. I'm saying, like the Bible says, don't let a spirit of fear override you. Power, love, and of a sound mind. You ever notice when you preach the gospel? You start talking to people about the end of the world and what the Lord wants to do. You see that look in their eyes? That's fear. You see how quickly they change the subject? That's fear. Okay? And it's not that, you know, you want to dwell on it, but it's almost this look of, man, you're trying to tell me that all the happiness I'm having now is going to come short. That's fear. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's what we should focus on, but what, the point I want to make tonight is we've got to be sober. This war is real. You got brothers and sisters out there that are suffering under the devil's feet. And what we need to do is preach the gospel. You know, let's be single-minded because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That's why, that's why the, the name of this thing is, Are You Single? 
because, you know, the Lord already speaks about what he's going to do for a double-minded man. So what we need to know is to do is to be single, be sober. Lord, what is my obligation at this time? What would you like to see happen to me? Let's go to Psalm 12. Anybody wants to add anything they can, but take heed. This is in Matthew 24, 4. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, praise the Lord. All right, let's look at Psalm 12. All right, Psalm 12, and let's look at verse 1. And he says, this is a Psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. So as you can see, what he's addressing right now is for those people that when he says the godly man ceaseth, it means that they're not doing what they should be doing in God. So he says, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who hath said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Now, this is how people in the world speak very um, careless about God. You ever see what Ted Turner said, what he would do? He talked about when I see Jesus, I'm going to punch him in the nose. You know, if he said that, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> this guy obviously doesn't know who he's talking to. And as you can see, he's still alive and God is still giving him grace to repent. That is the God we serve. Yes, sir. Oh, man. And he's, what he said, he's like, if I saw Jesus, I would slap him. He said a few other things, but he's yeah. like slapping him in the face and all that. And it just, I mean, it burns you up inside because he's like, dude, that's my Lord you're talking about. But then you understand their ignorance. Sarah went to him and said, I rebuke you. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And he kept talking about what he would do. And I was talking to him, you know, and he walked away. And that was one of the first times I could say in my heart, I felt it bleed to where I was like, Lord, this guy didn't mean what he said. Lord, forgive him. Lord, give him a chance. And he came back. Mm -hmm. He came right back. I mean, that same time we were out there, we got to minister to him to where he began to understand. Now, I don't know if he's given his life to the Lord or not, but that was one time when I heard this man speak that I felt fear come over me. Lord, I know you and I know you don't play. Forgive him, please. Because this guy spoke words so bold. I'm telling you, it was just like, yeah, if I saw your Lord, this is what I would do to him. And, and he said, bleep JC and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, you see this? I worship Satan. He had the chain around his neck and all that. But, you know, these are those people that, you know, can say such things, not even knowing who Jesus is. Look at verse 5. But you know what? They did. They did. You know? They did. They did, you know? They did mm -hmm. a lot more than that, too. But, mm -hmm. like, now. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. king of God. Mm -hmm. But to some, 
Well, you see, even back then they couldn't take him. Remember when he says, I am he? And they all flew back. They all fell back. He said, no man taking my life. You know, I lay it down on my own accord. Yeah. He says, my son will not harm a bruised reed. That's right. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. come to harm anyone the first time. But, uh, the lion he, of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even demons in the river try to come to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turn out too well. I guess the point, too, is, is that um, before we all knew Jesus Christ, we all slapped him in the face. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, we did. And it's like, even though now, if you hear someone say that, it like, you know, just, you know, but it's like, okay, well, I was in that position at one time. Well, yeah, I had to address that spirit, too, because when Sarah first walked up to him, she said, can I talk to you about Jesus Christ? And he kind of ignored her. So she said it again. Can I talk to you about Jesus? And he took his headphones off. And he turned around. He said, what the, did you say to me? And Sarah was like, can I talk to you about Jesus? And he started, like, walking towards her, like, angry, like, what? And that's when I spoke up, and I said, she wants to ask you, do you know Jesus? And he kind of looked, and, you know, you can tell he was, but it was definitely a spirit we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. And when I said that, he was like, I don't worship Jesus or whatever. But it kind of, like, knocked him out of whatever zone he was in, because I think he was going to physically try and harm Sarah, you know? I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, the devil is beginning to manifest himself more and more. Yeah, you just have to take authority over things like that. Cause oh, I've yeah. Situations where I'm driving and somebody is literally about to hit me. And then my window's closed, their window's closed. And I mm-hmm. say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. You better stop. And the dude would just stop in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. It's not even the person anymore. It's the spirit behind them controlling Amen. Them. Amen. That's exactly right. Let's look at verse 5. So he says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So as you can see, the reason why we've got corruption all through government, all through school, all through church and everything else is because, you know, vile men have been exalted. So wicked is walking everywhere. And that's why Jesus said, broad is the gate that leadeth to destruction. So what we need to understand is the purpose behind what is and keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Let's go to James 1. I just wanted to bring up that point. James chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 1. Are we single? All right. This is James 1. We'll look at verse 1. And he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. So when temptations come upon us, we are to count them as joy. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So do you understand? We need this. We need to be tried. We need to be tested. We need to go through. We need to know what it is to have this world turn on you. You know why? So it, your, your um, faith can be tried. You can be I mean, it works your patience. That's what I'm trying to say. But that's what we need because 
you know, when I lost my job um, about a year and a half ago now, mm -hmm. I thought about what I would do. But, you know, I don't have that fear anymore. And that's what the Lord was trying to give me. But, you know, we need a good slap in the face from the world. We really do need that. Yeah, oh, you thought you were with us? No, you're not one of us. You're one of Christ. Get out of my building. That's what we need. So that way we can wake up and say, you know what? The reason they got rid of me is because of Jesus. So you know what? Now I'm going to be on his side and go after this system. But we got to first understand where we are in the battlefield. Because I think that we think, no, I can be here and I can be there. I can be there. I can be there. We're going to find out. That ain't the way God plays this thing. God wants the world to disappoint you because he wants you to grow. He doesn't want your heart being broken later on. He wants you to stay focused on the goal of there's souls out there that need to be saved. Right. So this is verse five. I mean, verse four. And he says, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So just imagine that. Just imagine, you know, in a time where, you know, Christians are pretty much having things taken from them, but you're, you're complete in Christ. A lot of people in these days are going to run to their minister. They're going to run here. They're going to run there. But see, you're going to know the Lord personally. So, you know, you can get the call on him. Lord, you said these times will come. I'm going to wait on your instruction and see what you do. So this is a perfect man before God because there's nothing that the devil can offer you that you want from here. As long as we want something from here, and this is myself included. The Lord is working on me too. But as long as we want things from here, we can never fully give God what he wants. Right. You understand? Because God didn't want anything here. Everything the devil offered Jesus, Jesus didn't want. So we got to understand that if we are to walk as he walked, we've got to be made perfect in our hearts before him. You going to say something? I have a question. Yeah. So in forward it says, um, let patience have her perfect work. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific meaning of why the text uses her, refers to perfect or patience to her? I know it does it sometimes with wisdom as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Well, well we got to understand, because I know a lot of people try and make this argument that the Holy Spirit is a woman or female, but he's not. In the, in the Greek or in the Hebrew, you know, a lot of words have um, female and masculine words, okay? But when it says patience having her perfect work, the Holy Ghost is a type of comforter that, you know, comes to help the same way God gave that gift to a woman. So when it says patience having her perfect work, it's like a perfect bride, perfect wife. You know, um, when you look at in Proverbs where they mention wisdom, wisdom is talking about, you know, the bride of Christ, that which is pursuing him, that wants him. And that's why you also see her for the harlot as well, representing a harlot spirit, harlot church, idolatry, that which is against God. So the reason why it says her, because we are even considered the bride of Christ if we pursue the Lord and we remain faithful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is kind of used in that term of patience, which is the Holy Spirit that over time makes us more like Christ. So in some ways, it's kind of like uh, a perfect wife or a perfect bride, that which gets you ready to do what's what, you know, like a nurturing spirit. Mm -hmm. So when it says her, it's not really talking about gender. It's speaking more in terms of the role that it plays before God. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Because when it says wisdom, let her, he's speaking of two different types of women here. Wisdom is that which would pursue Christ or pursue God. That would be faithful. But then you got the harlot, 
that is against God that will, you know, it's like two different types of women. And that's why they talk about the strange woman and they talk about the Proverbs 31 woman at the end. So when it says wisdom, wisdom is justified of her children, meaning those who are either like an harlot or you're of the bride of Christ. So when the Holy Ghost works on us, comforts us, gives us what we need for growth, that's what it means by her, because it's a comforting spirit that is trying to get us ready in, in patience. Patience is the only way that this thing could be worked out. Go ahead, sir. Patience is one of the fruit of the spirit, right? Yep. And it's interesting how it says um, trying of your faith, which is one of the fruits of the spirit and the gift of the spirit, mm -hmm. but how that connects into also another fruit. Mm -hmm. They're linked that's right. Yeah. And they are all bound by faith. Mm -hmm. That's why faith is a fruit of the spirit and a gift of the spirit. Because the Bible even makes clear without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. We can't please God without faith. It begins in faith in Christ. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because some people would be wondering, yeah, what is that? So it says in verse five, and a lot of people have misused that too. Mm -hmm. Try and say, see, the Holy Spirit is a female. That's not the case because it even says in John 14, he will bring you into all truth and righteousness. So you know that the Holy Spirit is not a female. You know, he's as, well, I wouldn't say male either, but he is described as he. Okay, but when you look at, um, you going to say something, Deborah? No, I'm just, sorry. Uh oh, no, no, no problem. So when he, um, you know, when it says he, it's talking about what he would do. But I do believe when it says in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I do believe that the Lord had given a woman. He did fashion a woman after the Holy Spirit. That I will say because women by nature are nurturers. And that's not knocking women down one bit. You know when a man lives somewhere and when a woman lives somewhere, totally different. No one has to tell a woman, well, you need to put plants here or the house should be like this or be like that. A woman has a very nurturing, comforting spirit that, you know, in many ways, she's like the homemaker. She builds, you know, kids feel comfort from mom at times when they can't get it from dad, you know. But the thing is, is that a woman is fashioned after that. If you look at how men and women come together, it's almost like what a woman is comforts a man. You really can see that. It says the woman is the glory of the man. The Holy Ghost is the glory of God. So in many ways, I can see some comparisons, but the Holy Ghost is not a female. And the Holy Ghost is also God. But anyway, um, so it says in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So, you know, when you're not abradeth, it means like not being entangled, not being, you know, indecisive, not you know, um, believing faint, you know, in, in a faint sort of way, but believing wholeheartedly in God. So he says, if we were to come before him liberally and not be tied up, it will be given unto us. Look at verse five, uh, six, let, uh, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So you see, God monitors us. He knows that you know, when our faith is where it should be and when it's not. And I know in this life, the way that we live it, it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's hard to give the Lord 100% trust, but there is this nature in us that we talked about before of Adam, of the old man, that we need to truly crucify so that we can pursue God. Because if you've got Adam's feet, Adam is not going to follow Jesus Christ. You might have the rest of you as Jesus, 
but those feet will not obey God. So Adam needs to be crucified so that we can truly follow Jesus Christ. As long as there's some Adam in us, we can never fully give him everything that he needs from us. So look at verse 7, and this is how you know that this is what he's saying. 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Look at verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is not just a man that, you know, goes back and forth with God. He goes back and forth with other areas in his life. You know, in many cases, you'll find some men can't keep jobs. You know, they'll go one way and then want to go back. They can't stay faithful in a relationship. They'll end up here and end up there. So you find when men are double-minded, you can't really be single-minded like God wants us to be and do what he says. We find ourselves, you know, being tossed. One minute, you're in your Bible and you say, I'm going to give the Lord his time. And the next minute, your Bible's over there collecting dust and you're back in the world. So God wants us to be in that place of, giving it to him, single-minded. What is important? You know, yeah, all right, you might watch a little TV, but is TV more important than this? Is school more important than this? Is work more important than this? You know, so we got to understand what God's purpose is, and that, that balance needs to be tilted to God first. Everything else is second. Yeah, bro. Verse uh, 4 in James chapter, or chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse mm -hmm. your hands, ye sinners, sinners purify your hearts, ye double mind. I was going there next, but Sam got it. This is how the spirit works. What scripture was that? That's James 4. Oh. But you know, yeah, that's exactly right. So when we are double minded, you know, we cannot serve the Lord. And like he said, purify your hearts. So God wants a heart that loves him. And we got to really understand how God sees us. God's thoughts towards us are as the sand of the sea. But are our thoughts towards him even similar or even close to that? This is what we got to recognize because God sees this thing serious. You know what God believes? He's in a real marriage with you. He's married to you. And God feels this way. This is not a thing of, well, you know, we're kind of married, but when they get to heaven, we'll truly be married. No, God is married to you. He's married to a believer, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. What we need to understand is how serious this marriage is to him. What it really means. Because any of us don't even have to be married. We could just be in a relationship. And if you know that that person is not really into you and they're elsewhere, man, look at how you feel. Now multiply that by infinity and see what God feels. God's heart breaks over us every day because he wants us to stop playing with the enemy and do what he says to do. So that's important. So he says in verse 9, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as a flower of, of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but, with, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways." Now, is he against being rich? Not really. The issue here is a rich man glories in his riches. That's what he focuses on more than anything. This is where his heart is. So he's saying while the rich man is enjoying his life now, given all that he has, you know, he's going to forget about eternal life. 
Because I'm not going to lie. If I was worth $80 billion, give me $80 million for that matter. And I got to be realistic with myself. If I'm having my heaven on earth, why would I ever want this to end? If I can wake up every day of my life and get everything that I wanted of this world and, you know, possibly live like the devil and get all that I can, why would I want this to end? Do you really think I'm going to say, Lord, take away all my riches, get rid of everything that I have that I may pursue you? You won't. So this is why he tells the people, thou old man of God, flee those things that, you know, um, causes people to fall through to pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Now, I don't think that God, God can make a man rich, but that man will be faithful unto God. That man will say, Lord, where should I distribute this money today? What do you want me to be? So that's why he said a rich man will hardly enter into heaven. There may be some rich that make it, that truly understand what this thing is about, but it's rare. Most people cannot be single-minded to doing what God says. Most people will, you know, back and forth in this life. And that's one of the things that, you know, snares a lot of people. So he's saying, if you put your stock here, man, that's going to fade as a flower does. All flesh is grass. These things will have their season and they'll go. And they won't measure up to much more after that. But what God is saying is, them that abide in him will be forever. Look at 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So we got to understand what it truly is to love the Lord. And that's why Jesus never asked us to feel anything about love. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You want to show that you love me? Obey me. That's the only way that he could, um, you know, see, I mean, not see it, but... That's the way he wanted it addressed. Why? So we wouldn't get so caught up in what we feel. Now, of course, we all got, we all love the Lord. But I'm just saying, for those who obey, they actually believe Jesus is right here. He's watching everything you do. He cares about what you think. So when you love Jesus, you have more of a reality of him and an intimacy of him as, if I do wrong, then I know that I'm cheating on you, Lord. That's how you see it. Lord, you're seeing what I'm doing. So give me what I need that I may follow you and do that which is right. But you see, if somebody's just saying, I love the Lord and we don't obey him, then it's, all, it's kind of like, well, yeah, because I got time. Yeah, he said that, but he didn't exactly say it right now. Well, I got tomorrow to do this. I've got a lot of time that I can actually move certain things out of the way and begin to serve him. Now, of course, with patience, this can be done. But what I'm talking about is a double-minded man. A man that believes that God and the world are equal, they just need their, their, their proper place and everything will be fine. They can coexist together as long as we give them both what they deserve. And, you know, the only reason that Jesus ever came to this world was to give his spirit to us that we might infect others with the gospel that they may seek eternal life. That was really what he wanted. Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. God wants children. God loves children. God wants a lot of kids. You know, and that's why when you look at what happened in Matthew 22 or Matthew 21, remember when he sent out all those people. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Where does it say Matthew? 
your treasures on earth. Uh, that's uh, Matthew 6. We're going there too. for Matthew 22. I'm looking for Matthew 22. Sorry, guys. And we'll start at verse 1. Matthew 22 and verse 1, and it says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. So as you can see, this is all talking about preaching the gospel. You know, you go to people, you tell people their need for Jesus, and Hey, guys, you know, you don't want to miss out on this. Eternal life is what it is. Jesus Christ is who he says he is, you know, and let's get to know him. But, you know, they made light of it. He said one went their way to his farm. That's what he cared about. And the other to his merchandise, whatever he owned. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. So, you see, all we're doing is inviting people to come to this marriage supper to know Jesus and as our brother Sam showed me and that um, sent that website of Christians being persecuted all over the world, you know, we really got to look at this like this is all that's happening. You're trying to get people to live and to come to Jesus, and people are, are killing them. They're, they're killing the people that are trying to liberate them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. And saith he and his servants, the, wicked, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Uh, he says, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. So as you can see here, um, this is I believe this has already occurred. I believe that this is what Jesus already wanted. He went to his servants and he told them, guys, invite as many people as you can. Go into the highways and byways and tell all about this marriage supper. And, you know, he said some of them wouldn't come. So then it says, um, so the servants went, oh, verse, uh, verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him, I mean, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So what we got to understand here, when we say the Lord has called me to minister, who hasn't he called to minister? That's not something that we got to, you know, gloat about. Like, you see, he was looking for me. Yeah, you and about 20 trillion, you know, since the beginning of time to come. But you see, not many would. And that's why he said, man, many are called, but few are chosen. 
because those who are chosen of Christ, as Revelation 19 says, mm -hmm. they are called, chosen, and faithful. So when we want to be with the king, the king of kings, we've got to learn and we need to cry out to the Lord, how do I become a faithful bride? How am I faithful to you? When am I in that place of I'm cheating on you? These are things we need to know so that he can make our paths plain and clear. Yeah, bro. If I may add something, highways and byways, is noticing that you know the people that we see driving on the highways and byways mm -hmm. nowadays uh, is homeless people, people that don't have a job, people mm -hmm. that you know they're, maybe their cars broke down and they're there, but they're people that are in need. And the, the servants, first they didn't go to them, first they went to the, the friends and the people that are considered worthy. Mm -hmm. And when they didn't accept the invite, they went to the people that are um, that are desperate. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the desperate people accepted the invite. And it's so interesting now when I go minister, I minister to people that, you know, have things and they have the same attitude. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I'll get to Jesus later on. I, I don't really mm -hmm. need him right now. Life's going perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I, you know, just maybe have a sandwich and I go to a homeless person, they're just, man, they're just talking about, they say, please pray for me. I think I'm in Jesus' will. I know God wants me here. I know he wants me on the streets right now doing this thing, but I just need strength. I need prayer. And they're just straight to the point. I just, and all I did was I said, I just say, I just offer them prayer. And they list all these things they need prayer for. You know, it's not even a question if they're believing or if they're Christian or not because they've had everything stripped from them. Had nothing to rely on, mm -hmm. um, so I would just I would, I would recommend to everyone that's that's listening to this recording that that get desperate, get hungry, get uh, get get to that mm -hmm. point where you, that's all the thing. That's it. That's all mm -hmm. you need. That's all you want uh, because everything will be taken away from you. That's right. You're so right. Because when we get out there on the streets, we really I'm telling you, it breaks your heart to see people can't even afford a pair of shoes. I want to talk about a sister of mine. And I call her a sister. She's struggling and she's going through some stuff. But I'm so glad you brought that up because we met her just last Wednesday. Her name is Lana, you know, Russian woman. She came um, over years ago. You know, she came out to be with her family and she had a rough time. You know, this woman has been through so much, but we began to talk to her. When we went out there to go and minister, the Lord said, stop right here. Now, she had her you know, glasses on, and, you know, she had a beer in her hand, smoking a cigarette. She looked like she didn't want to be bothered. Like, she was really, you know, upset. So I just stopped and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And she first gave us a little, you know, what do you want? And I said, can we pray for you? And she said, with a cigarette and a beer in my hand, you want to pray for me or whatever? She said, you guys are making me feel guilty. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what we're trying to do here. We just want to pray for you. But you saw the smile break out. This woman went through so much in her life. She was telling us that, you know, she does have a heart for the Lord. She wants to follow him. She said, I prayed all day today and you guys show up. She said, I know that God is there. But she said that her and her son being homeless, they pretty much lived at a bus stop. And she said they would be soaking wet during the wintertime under the shelter freezing and she said I praise Jesus I believe him I love him and you know he enabled us to get through this whole winter and none of us got pneumonia or anything went on mm -hmm. but she has a praise for the Lord more than some people who claim to know Jesus right. man that broke my heart because she was praying to be delivered and we prayed for her mm -hmm. and she said man there was a great weight that came off of her chest and she said you know what 
if I don't see you um, during the week, she said, I'll be out here Wednesday when you are. She said, because I want to tell you how the rest of my week is gone. But she wanted to give her life to the Lord, stop doing what she's doing. But it's just, you know, how can someone that's lost so much be so grateful for just making it through the winter? Man, we are really out of touch with reality. I mean, and what can happen to a person? I mean, because a lot of people at this point would have cursed Jesus and his name for this. But this person has nothing. You know, and okay, some people may say, well, she had a beer. She had, you know what? So what? God is working on all of us to take things out. I'm not condoning that. But the point I'm making is if the spirit of God is allowed to work in a person's life, he can take things from you and make you over. We all know what hole we crawled from out of. Come on. Where we were. But this woman was praising Jesus and just thanking him, Lord, answer my prayers. I know you're real. I know what you're going to do. But man, this woman loves Jesus. And that's what's so sad because it, it reminded me of the woman that was the harlot that poured the alabaster box of ointment on Jesus' head, you know, that that loved him. And I mean, just to be so thankful, man, that, that made me check my heart, you know, because I'm like, man, if I had lost everything that I owned and I'm out there with my son under a, um, a shelter, like, a you know, at the bus stop, those little covers that they give you with the seats. If I spent all winter there in the rain, not even knowing what I'm going to eat, and you know this woman wouldn't even, um, she said, I won't steal. She said, I know people that do it, but I won't do it. She said, I believe one way or another, the Lord will bless us. Amen. You know what else? I tried to offer her something, and she was like, oh, no, I cannot take it. And I said, well, the Lord told me that this is yours. But I'm just saying, this is someone who has a heart after the Lord. And she's in a struggling situation. So that's why we got a teaching coming up, maybe in a couple of weeks. But it's going to be called, True Ministry Breaks Your Heart. True Ministry Breaks Your Heart. It does not let you get puffed up. It does not make you think that you're over people. It does not give you this, this willingness to, you know, gloat. And, and, and try and get from people. It breaks your heart. It makes you feel what Jesus feels. It makes you want to get out there and do even more. And the more that you cry out, the more that you feel, man, the more you become like Christ. And the more you want to serve. That's what it's about. Yes, Sarah. I also remember she told us that one time she was crying out and praying for food because, you hear that this homeless shelter downtown, I don't remember the name of it, is giving out free food for homeless people. And she took her and her son down there, and he was able to go through the line like three or four times just because they hadn't eaten in, I guess, about a week or so. Yeah. You know, and she said, they praised the Lord for that, for the fact that when her needs were there, he provided for her. But the same thing goes for us in our faith. We have this idea of faith is supposed to be here now. Mm -hmm. And that's not what faith is all about. The Lord is testing or, or allowing our faith to be tested to see how reliant and dependent upon Him we are. That's right. You know, I mean, what if we were in that situation? Take our circumstances now. If that was all stripped away from us, would we still believe in God? Would we still love Him? Yeah. You know, and this is why we've got to learn to be single-minded. Go after the things that Jesus wants because true ministry breaks your heart. And we're going to give many examples of this and, and what this is about. Man, it'll only, 
It'll, it'll open you up. It'll make you face reality. You know, when you pray, you pray for real. You start praying with tears, man. You know, people's stories become a part of your reality. But that's why, the, how many times did you read the Bible when you heard Jesus say, Jesus was looking at the multitude, some were this and some were that, and the Lord had compassion upon them. That's what we're talking about. That compassion to make a difference. That compassion to serve. And that's why, you know, we could all be walking in the power of the Spirit. But do we have that, that heart to serve? Do we have that heart to want to meet the needs of the people? Those are the people that Jesus loves. He loves us all, but you know what I'm saying. But, you know, this is one of those things. That, let's look at Psalm 139 real quick. No, you, you're saying it right. Because he says in his word that when, uh, when we go to heaven, he's going to say, you fed me. Mm -hmm. And you clothed me when I was cold, mm -hmm. and you cared for me when I was homeless. <laughs> and they're gonna say, Jesus, we, we don't, we didn't know that you did that. Mm -hmm. well, we were feeding you. When, when did it? Did we feed you? And mm -hmm. he says, When you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, because God really does want this from us. He wants you to stop caring for yourself. There's another part of. You know what? I'll say that for another subject. So if you lose touch with that, you've mm -hmm. lost touch with what God's all about. Exactly. You don't love your brother. I mean, you know, that's clear. Because if I can't offer you food, I can offer you Christ. You know, I mean, I can offer you food and Christ. You right. know what I'm saying? You know, Christ first, food, whatever. It's not but, a gourmet meal. I mean, just make a PBJ sandwich and go That's for right. It. That's what we were that's talking about. Uh-huh. Like that. For me too. <laughs> that's right. Like that old saying, you teach a man how to fish. Yeah. You know, you feed, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, right. you feed him for a lifetime. Zoe lifetime. <laughs> Zoe life, exactly. Yeah, amen. All right. So let's look at, uh, this is Psalm 139. And let's look at verse 19. Some of these scriptures I don't even have written down. But you know what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So let's look at verse 19. And it says, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. I am not I am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. Am not I um grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Now did I go here to talk about making enemies? No. I'm here to tell you about a man who was known to have a heart after God and him recognizing his perspective was spot on. He understood that, hey, people hate you, God, and if they are your enemy, they are mine. Now, he's not talking about, you know, we're not talking about warring with these people. What we're talking about is, man, understanding where we are. People hate your God. Yeah, you know the boss at your job that feeds you? Yeah, he hates Jesus too. Okay, we've got to come to that conclusion that either we're here to convert people or we're just here to live our lives. Look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is what we ought to pray for. Lord, search me. I know there's more in there, you know. Lord, there's got to be more because I'm not exactly doing what you said. Work on my mind, work on my heart. 
but search me out and see if there be anything that is wicked. Why? So we can stay single-minded before the Lord. Because what we hear and what we see, we can take in. You know, we were made in a way that we could record everything in front of us, and some of those thoughts don't go away. So we need to be searched out, we need to wear that armor, and we need to be single-minded for Christ. So let's go. Let's go to First Chronicles 12. We're going to see here how even an army, that when God wants his army to move, they have all got to be, like we did that teaching, on one accord. Why? Because as you can see, the disciples that followed Jesus were following him, but then you had Judas that was in the midst, and really Peter to some degree, <laughs> you know, they loved the Lord, but he, you know, he denied him. But we've got to be, even in the army of Christ, we've got to be single-minded. So this is First Chronicles 12, and let's look at verse 1. First Chronicles 12 and 1. Now these are they that came to David in Zitlag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. So these guys were not Israelites, but they were mighty men. They were helpers, you know, to help David at war. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow even of Saul's brethren uh, of Benjamin. You know, I have a, um, this is a little of the subject, but while I was pondering this scripture a couple of days ago, I couldn't help but wonder if some of David's mighty men were giants. Because the word mighty man is the word gibor, which means mighty man or giant. But he says that these guys hurled stones and shooting arrows and bows and things like that so I'm wondering because, you know, um, what's his name? David's guy uh, that he killed for Bathsheba, uh, Uriah. Uriah. Uriah was a Hittite. Hittites were enemies of the children of Israel. So I'm not saying Uriah was a giant, but they might have been people that have been in those tribes or like around them. But either way, God is using these people because they chose to want to be on board with God. Yeah. And in some ways, this is kind of like an early salvation when Jesus said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. You know how they won't just be Israel. They'll be the Gentile that will want to help and be a part of it. And even in the Old Testament, when he told them, if, you know, the Edomites or other groups come in and they want to be a part of you, he said, don't, don't turn them away as long as they want to reverence the one true God. You know, if they wanted to come in with Israel, they were okay. But Israel was not to worship the gods of these other tribes. Right, so let me make the point. Uh, the chief was Ahizer, uh, then Joash, the sons of Shema, uh, the Gibeon, the Gibeathite, uh, and uh, Jeziel and Pele, the sons of Asmaveth and Barakcha and Jehu, Oh man, I need to get past this. And uh and Antithite. And Ishmael the Gibeonite, a mighty man among the thirty. And over the thirty, and Jeremiah and Jez and Jehaziel and uh Jehanan and Josabad and uh uh Gedaratha. Alright, let me get past this. There's a name's already here. Let's go down to verse eight. And uh, of the Gadites were separated themselves unto David into a hold in the wilderness of 
the wilderness men of might and men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the rose upon the mountains. You know what, bro? I'm wondering if they really were giants. I think some of David's mighty men might have been. They were mighty. You know, they were mighty men, and it said they had the face of lions. Because I know that in Solomon's time, if you look this up, the giants built the temple. It was the Amorites, it was the Gergesites, the uh, Parasites, and all these groups. They built the temple of Solomon. So it's, an, you know, it's really interesting here. That's neither here nor there, so let me make the point. Uh, Ezer the first, Ebediah the second, Eliab the third, Mishmana the fourth, Jeremiah the fifth, and the uh, sixth, uh, Eliel the seventh, Johanan and the eighth, Elzabad the ninth, Jeremiah the tenth, Macbenai uh, the eleventh. These were of the sons of Gad, captains of the host of the of the least was over an hundred, and the greatest over a thousand. These are they that went over Jordan in the first month when it had overflown all the banks, and they put to flight all them of the valleys, both toward the east and toward the west. And there came of the children of Benjamin and Judah, and to hold on to David. And David went out to meet them, and answered and said unto them, If ye be come peaceably unto me to help me, my heart shall be knit unto you. But if ye be come uh, to betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hands, the God of our fathers looked thereon and rebuked thee. So what David wanted them to know and to understand is, okay, guys, I know you're from other tribes, but if you come and you help me and you're loyal to me, he's saying, hey, my, my heart will be knit to yours. So that's something we got to understand about singleness of heart. A single heart knits to God. You know, going for the purpose of what God wants knits to God, okay? When we are um, fulfilling the will of God or desiring to do the will of God, our hearts knit to God. David here is a type of Christ. That's why I'm saying this. But David couldn't use anyone in the army that was not going to be um, willing to go forward for the same cause. So he says, um, then the spirit came upon uh, Amasai, uh, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers. For the Lord helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. And there fell some of Manasseh to David uh, when, he, when he came with the Philistines against Saul to battle, but they helped them not. For the lords of the Philistines, upon advisement, sent him away, saying, He will fall to his master, Saul to the jeopardy of our heads. So you see, David went to try and get the Philistines to help him out against Saul, and they wouldn't. Okay, this is like kind of trying to get worldly people to help you in the cause to fulfill the Lord. People have to be converted. Other than that, they won't be able to see. They don't have the same faith as you. Verse 20, and he went to Zetlag, there fell to him of Manasseh, Adna, and Josabad, and uh, Zedel, and Michael, and Josabad, I mean, Josabad, and Elihu, 
and Zilda, captains of the thousands that were of Manasseh. So you see David's army right now is growing. And they helped David against the band of the rovers. And they were all mighty men of valor and were captains in the host. And at that time, day by day, there came David to help him until it was a great host like the host of God. So David had a massive army of, of so many that wanted to join the cause, the, the cause. And it says in verse 23, and these are the numbers of the bands that were ready armed to the war and came to David at Hebron uh, to return uh, the kingdom of Saul to him, according to the word of the Lord. So at this point, Saul and David were at war. Saul wanted to slay David. God was going to give the kingdom over to David. So these are men that wanted to see David become king. It's important that we understand this because if we want to join in the army of the Lord, all we desire to see is the Lord be proclaimed king. All we want to do is establish his kingdom, not here on earth, but in heaven. But we are here to go after those who are captive to set them free. Yes, sir. And interesting too, isn't the valley of Hebron where they, the people of Israel did their child sacrifice to Moloch? Uh, that's that's Hinnom. That's oh, Hinnom, okay. yeah. Doesn't the word say, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. And see, that's why we got to believe that. That's a great point. We really do have to believe that when he says, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, like we talked about before, you got God and his armies fighting for us every day. We are full of the spirit, man. We ought to war back to help them. That's the only reason we're in this. We are given support not to lay upon the beach, but to go after those souls that are bound. So as it is in heaven, we should be on the earth as God is we ought to be to carry that light. Yeah, Christina. Oh, I'm just. Oh, she's just saying. Don't, yeah, uh -huh. don't build like a. Don't think that there's going to be an everlasting kingdom on earth. Like, don't build Jesus' kingdom on earth. Like His kingdom on he in heaven, bring mm -hmm. it down onto earth. That's right, because we're inviting everlasting on earth. That's right, because we're inviting everyone to this marriage supper. Everybody, Jesus wants His people out of this world right. so that they might be with Him. But you see. Also, the devil knows that God can build armies like this. That's why he tries to divide. That's why he pushes things like denominations. That's why he tries to suck some of us onto the world. Why? Because if we band together in Christ, you already saw what happened with the disciples. When they prayed, you know, that God would come unto them. Man, God was setting people free. God was, I mean, shook buildings for them and made things happen. My so, people who are called by my name. That's right. Amen. You know, because a lot of people won't, you know, we, we are, salvation is its own individual affair, you know, so no one can give you salvation, but you have to seek the Lord yourself. But the thing is, too, is that we ought to be on one accord because the devil is not fighting us separate. The devil has got a well-oiled machine. He's got a well-organized army. And you see how the church is? Scattered. Believing different things. Don't want to help out. Oh, well, we don't believe in this. We, what do you mean we? If you have the body of Christ and you believe everything that this word says. But see, when the devil can divide like that, we can't be effective against the enemy. And that's why, although we've broken off into smaller groups now and it's not like it used to be, God intends to do mighty works because he's going to link those who are single-minded like him together. 
That's why, you know, we met Colin and Christina, Sam and Deborah, Martin and Laura. God is going to, he's going to build this thing. He's going to make it happen. And I'm not saying this is the place that it needs to be. There are other believers out there in these churches, in these false religions, people that sincerely want Jesus, but they're misguided right now. God is going to get all those who are single-minded to join his ranks. Why? Because he knows their hearts. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, make no mistake, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows those who belong to him. You know, we may be trying to figure out who's who, but he already knows. And you're going to see the prostitute. You're going to see the drug addict. You're going to see the guy doing 25 to life. You're going to see these people join the ranks of God with enthusiasm because God has not given up on them. He is going to change them. He's going to come after them. But I'm telling you, you're going to see the old switcheroo take place. You're going to see those who never even knew Jesus is why they live like they live. Those who strayed away and been in things, but those people are going to recognize, I made a mistake. It's time to get back on track with God. But you're going to find the false person sitting up in the church thinking he's a man of God, never won one soul to Jesus. You're going to see the old switcheroo take place. Hey, man, what did you do for me? Man, but look at this guy. Now that he knows the truth, this guy was ignorant. He didn't know any better. But see, he knows now. And that's why Jesus said, what is better? Him that says he will go and don't go? Or, the, or them who was honest and said, I won't go, but eventually went. There's going to be a change here. But what we got to understand is, what does God want for us? Where are we? What time are we in? What does he want right now? God wants an army. The Bible says he searches to and fro in the earth looking for a man. Man, this place is desolate. And God is going to pour into it. Verse 24, the children of Judah that bear shield and spear were 6,800 ready armed to the war. Of the children of Simeon, mighty men of valor uh, for the war, 7,100. Of the children of Levi, 4,600. And Jehoiada was the leader of the Aaronites, and with him were 3,700. And Zodak, the son, I mean, the young man, uh, mighty of valor, and of his father's house, 20 and two captains. And the children of Benjamin, the kindred of Saul, 3,000 for hitherto, uh, the, uh, oh, the greatest part of them had kept uh, the ward of the house of Saul. And the children of Ephraim, I'm going somewhere, I promise, 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous throughout the house of their fathers, and of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000, and were expressed by name to come and make David king. So you see why they all got together? They all wanted to, to make David the king. They only had one goal in mind. David is the man that God chose, and that's who we're following. Why? Because God was with David. Now, you know, God was with Christ. Jesus is Christ. But the thing is, is that we've got to become single-minded to want to understand what we're doing here, how important it is that Jesus be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You want to know where the power is? Not in anything you can have in this life, but uplifting Christ to his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords before all. Why did the Hebrew boys get in that fire? What happened afterwards? Yeah, it was amazing that Jesus was in there with them and that they didn't have any hurt on them. 
But what was more amazing is all men saw God glorified on that day because those men did not bow down to the king of Babylon. What a God. Verse 32, and all the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their commandment. Now look at this, the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. What does God want us to do? Wake up so we can understand where we are and what's going on. Then he says, to know what Israel ought to do. Okay, and then it says, the heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their commandment. So look at verse 33, of Zebulon, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war. So they had their full armor, you might as well say, and the weapons of their warfare, you know, ready. 50,000 which could keep rank, they were not of double heart. You see, so they could keep rank. They understood, hey, I'm in this. I'm on this side. I can obey David because I understand what the purpose is. I have understanding of what time I'm in. I see where my enemy is. And this is what the devil tries to blank from you and I. Man, we got we to gotta understand what this is about. And that's why he tells us, present your body a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world, but transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So we can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you know what the devil tries to do? Keep that from happening. I'm going to show you something new every day so you can get excited about here and you can forget about God's move there. Man, this is awesome. So you see, not double, not double of heart, single hearted towards God. If you can't keep rank, you can't uh, have a military, you can't have an army. Exactly. You have people running all over the place doing what they want to do. And this is what you see of the church. But a single-minded army after Christ, hey, man, we know what we need to do. Hey, let me die with my boots on if I need be. Take me, carry me out on my shield. But God must be glorified. Colossians 3. Before you leave that part, the, yeah. in verse 38, uh -huh. in 1 Chron Chronicles 12, mm -hmm. um, it says, All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make mm -hmm. David king over all Israel. And mm -hmm. all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. Amen. And you know what? That that was meant to happen because I had it written here to finish, but I was looking at time. But the Lord spoke through our sister Deborah to say, no, this needs to be said. Just keep it rank. That's exactly. So if, what, if I got to do what I need to do, I need to keep rank. Like, hey, go for it. Say what needs to be said. But the Spirit's king over this house. Amen. Man. That's right. Amen. You don't want to say anything he doesn't want. So we're going to Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. For the sake of time, the Lord said, man, forget time. I'm timeless. You better say what needs to be said. <laughs> you think I gave you the scripture for us. You can cut it short. <laughs> no, not going to happen. Praise the Lord. That's right. Single of heart. So this is uh, Colossians 3. Let's look at verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. 
for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So, you know, technically, we don't even exist. <laughs> We're supposed to be to the point where Christ is living in you and you're just the car that he is driving. Now, don't get me wrong. There is great joy in serving the Lord and having his spirit work through us. But from the sound of things here, you've got to go so that Christ can live. Our lives are hid in Christ. That means that we've got no life outside of him. We've got no will outside of him. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So if Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we will appear with him in glory. So you see how important it is that we give him the keys? Mm -hmm. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he's telling us what our problem is. You know, that we need to forsake these things, mortify your members. He didn't say, stop doing A, B, C, and D. He's saying, man, look, you'll never be stopped being able to do this. You've got to die daily so that Christ can live. You can't try to do this. You've got to die so that Christ can take over. Every part of your members that dies, Christ takes a hold of. Verse 6, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which we also walked some time when ye lived in them. So we can't lie. There was a point of all of us, we didn't know the Lord. But you see, God has freed us from this. So what's the next step? Look at verse 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, the old man and the new man, they're not going to live together. This body ain't big enough for the two of us. Either Christ is going to drive, or you're going to just rust in your car all by yourself. God has got to drive this car. We've got to give it to Christ. Verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, Barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So as you can see, anyone willing to receive salvation and meet the requirements of it can be saved. This is not, uh, um, what do you call it, an exclusive salvation only to those who follow Christ. That part is exclusive because God is not going to recant anything that he said in this Bible. But you see, it is to anyone who has an open heart before him. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So, you know, this is important because you hear about forgiveness quite a bit, so much so that it can shut off your blessings. It can shut off the spirit from God. You've got to learn to forgive. I don't care if you got shot in the eye, you know, or whatever by somebody and you were, you know, in a wheelchair. If you are aware of what's going on, the Bible tells you forgive. So we can't afford to hold any of these things in us. And look how many Christians today walking around with malice in their heart, hatred towards their brother, 
And see, when we allow those things to overtake us, we're not a part of God's army. We're a part of the army of the enemy. So you see, God doesn't want him making his way in. Shut him out completely. So he says in verse 14, and above all these, uh, these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That is love. That's that agape. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So as you can see, he's talking about here that we are to teach, we are to admonish one another. The body of Christ is rich in wisdom. What I don't know, Carlin does. What Carlin doesn't know, Sam does. What Sam doesn't know, Deborah does. What Deborah doesn't know, Sarah does. So you see, we ought to be there for each other because there are times when the enemy can kind of creep by and try and get past one, but he may not get past two. So it is important that we be there for one another. We can't win this battle alone. We've got to be there in singleness of heart. So he says, singing, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Man, do you know what that does to you when you listen to spiritual music? When you got praise and worship, you can feel the presence of God all around you. Man, God loves praise. You know why? Because he's worthy. And I wish I can give him all the praise he truly Amen. deserves. Man, God is good. I don't care what happens with us. He's good. Right. Verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things that this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So as you can see, like I, I love what Derek Prince had to say about this when he talks about wives not submitting to their husbands and then they come and say, I got a problem with my husband. Derek Prince will say, well, did you submit to your husband? You know, and the woman says, no, but, and then he'll tell the husband, did you love, do you love your wife? Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend the time to counsel either of you. Come back when you are. You see, because if we're obedient to the word, then God will fulfill these things. When he says children be right to their parents because it's fit in God's eyes, God will move when we become obedient. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're not obedient and we don't know how, ask the God, ask God for more. Why? He is an ever-present help in your time of need. I've had to have the Lord free me from something because there was something I struggled with even long after becoming a you know Christian that I had this mindset of selfishness. You know, some people might know me and say, man, you're still like that. What are you talking about? But the thing is, is that I'm recognizing that I couldn't even, I can't even love a woman right because of the selfishness within. Sometimes we can be caught up in that place where we just won't do it because of how we're feeling, of what's going on with us. Sometimes it's not an external thing. That thing can be internal, where it's just like, man, I can't even see myself being this way. And I'm not saying you got to be married or you got to be with somebody, but I'm recognizing for me, one of the struggles I had was unforgiveness, things that I couldn't let go in my life. I just couldn't love a woman. I don't know what it was, but I think it was, you know, a selfish spirit that I had within me. And, you know, the Lord has worked that out with me. So if things go how he wants them to, 
hey, Lord, now that you're making me right, I can be right for someone else. But as long as there's a part of me that wasn't of God, I couldn't serve him right. I couldn't do what he wanted. Lord, give me a wife. Yeah, but if I gave her to you, she'd be your doormat. That's not what I want you to have. So, you know, he was ever working on me to try and change me, and he's still working on me. But these are, this is something that I can admit I had trouble with. And you know what it was? I spent a lot of time in my life before getting saved a whoremonger. And you see, when you're like that, some of these things don't go away. There could be residue that is still in us that needs to come out so that we can love righteously. Praise uh, God. What's that? Amen. He's faithful to work that out of us. That's right. Look at the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So there we go. None of these things can be kept unless your heart is single. Wives, you obey your husbands. Why? Because that's what God wants. Okay, husbands, you love your wives. Why? Because that's what God wants. So, you know, children, you obey God. I mean, you obey your parents. Why? Parents, you don't provoke your children. Why? So you see, all the army of God is, is a, is a bunch of families that are obedient unto Christ. That's what a church is made up of. Families. You got the men, you got the wives, you know, you've got the children in subjection, and you see how the spirit of God can just flow right over it. Because it's obedient to him. Yes, sir. And it's a big selfless act. Because if the wives submit yourselves to the husbands, you're selfless. Mm -hmm. Husbands, if they love their wives, it's selfless. Children, mm -hmm. if you obey your parents, it's selfless. It is. And so it's like all of that is, you're basically like the family body of Christ in your family. I mean, we're the body of Christ, but that's why he created marriage was to reflect the body of Christ. That's it. That's what the marriage is. The marriage is the, I mean, the, uh, the family is, is the, a reflection of God. You got father, son, or father, child, you know, and the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's what God meant it for. Why do you think, and this is where I had to check something in myself, but why do you think homosexuality is like it is right now? Mm -hmm. What do you think they're attacking? Not just the image of God, but the family unit. Mm -hmm. They're destroying it because the devil knows that God holds this in high esteem. So this is something where, like I said, that's why we're going to do that teaching. Saints and sodomites coming up because, you see, it is possible that even though I'd given my life to Jesus and began to serve him, I could have still had residue of a sodomite nature, which is self-loving. So that's something that, you know, he's worked out in me. You know, and he's cleaning it out. And I, I'm, I'm going to admit that, man, because this is there may be someone else out there who's struggling with something that may not understand why. Amen. You know, that's give it to the Lord and let him change us. What's that, sir? So that's why we give our testimonies. I know what you mean. It ties right into pride and selfishness. It's just so interesting how it just all ties in together. Right. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness is so important because it's like with me, I got a lot of, I was with a lot of deadbeat guys before I knew Jesus Christ. So. Mm -hmm. It was like there was a lot of things he had to take out of me, and I had to ask for forgiveness. I had to give forgiveness, but it does cover cover a multitude of sins because it's just like this huge weight mm -hmm. lifted off of you, and mm -hmm. it's like all of that past, you know, he took out of me, mm -hmm. and it's just he's he's helped me with my past insecurities that have tried to creep back mm -hmm. in my life, and it's like give it to me, and I'll take it all from you. But it's a, it's a giving over to him. That's right. You know, if like you were.
were talking about being in a marriage, it's like, how can two people be married if they're constantly doing this number, you know? And see, usually when, I'll be honest, when any family is not where it should be, like Sam mentioned tonight, and the Lord is saying once again, you know, it's, it's because of the husband. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. It's definitely the man. Who else could it be if God put Adam in charge? How is he blaming Eve? Wait a minute, man. <laughs> you were charged to handle this. So if something isn't right, it's because of the man. Because you got to think about it. If God's divine order is in play, somebody's not doing what they should be doing. That's just reality, and I can accept that. The man has not bared the responsibility of doing so. So um, let's go to um, Matthew 6. But, you know, I found even like being in the education system, you got women, you know, mothers coming up there blaming their kids for stuff that's going on. But sometimes you won't talk to the parent for five minutes before you say you're the problem. You know, it's not him. You're not even home. You're not even helping them out. You're not even teaching them what they need to know. And, and to be honest with you, any subject that they bring up, whether it's in church or any place else, you can always direct them back to, do you know the Lord? Do your children know the Lord? Does your husband know the Lord? Does your wife know the Lord? These things all come back to what, you know, if they're unbelievers, how do you expect there to be order where God is order? Mm -hmm. So if you take God out of the midst, who are you? What are you trying to have here? You can't have that order. That's right. And you see, it doesn't work. We tried that for years. I know I have. I was talking to my brother today. He's brushing. And mm -hmm. I was like, how are your kids? He said, oh, I was blessed my kids. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, but, you know, the only reason is because I, I trained them not that way. I was there for them when they were being raised. Mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of my friends. They're truck drivers. And they say, well, I have no choice. You know, they make all these excuses. I have mm -hmm. to work. I have to make money. But he's like, well, I'd rather be poor and, and have kids raised right rather mm -hmm. than be rich or have money and mm -hmm. my kids are raised wrong you know because mm -hmm. if uh, he, he made a point where if I'm not there feeding the kids and teaching them what they're supposed to be learning somebody else the world the TV is going to be there teaching them you're so right it always happens that way if God doesn't run your home the devil will come right in if God is not your father Satan is your father you know, and that's why it's so important that we have the Lord. It's true. If you're not there to tell kids what they need to know, man, the devil, the devil will put his arm around your wife. Oh, yeah. The devil will put his arm around your children. You know, it doesn't matter. So these are things that we need to be in divine order with what God wants. Single-hearted. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Just being there. It's true, because you have some women marry men for money. Some yeah. men will marry women because she's beautiful. Neither one of those things are single-hearted before the Lord. You got to let God choose your wife or your husband. You can't just go out and marry somebody. And that's why God says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You're asking for trouble. You know, so these are things where God has to lead it. But that's being single-hearted because let's just say you read that and it says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, if you heard what the Bible says, but you do what you want, your heart is after something else. Think about that. God has given us instruction on what we ought to do, but we're going elsewhere. So what does that tell you? Your heart is somewhere else. Your heart is after what you want, not in according to his word. You can go out and marry the devil himself if you don't let the Lord pick your husband or wife for you. That's right. You submit to, to what he has. Yeah. Seek him and God first and everything else will be added to you. That's Absolutely. Right. 
So, all right, this is a, a Matthew 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. also. Now, do we believe this? Do you believe what Jesus said? Do we really believe that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also? Man, you know how sometimes we got to break and lose things before we can lose the love for it? Have you ever been so attached to something in your life that you thought, man, I just got to polish it every day. I got to make sure it's right. But once it's broken or it falls and hits the ground or something happens, you might be upset for a little while, but you know what? You've been set free. That you don't even think about that thing anymore. Like, all right, well, it's gone, it's gone. But sometimes God's got to do that because we can be such idolaters. Yes, sir. How do you say that? Because my vehicle, I used to spend four hours on washing, waxing, mm -hmm. vacuuming, getting in between little grooves on the, the AC vents, mm -hmm. only to have, you know, it get dirty again. <laughs> but now yeah. it's like, who cares? Just run to the car wash and call yeah. it good. The Lord will send the repo man to your house if he's got to to get you to stop being an idolater. You know, be driving up the block with your car. Well, now you don't have to worry about it. It's gone. Okay. But, I, have a, I have a new car like that. And it's mm -hmm. like I used to just polish it. And I prayed every time I got on it. Mm -hmm. like, the Lord gave it to me. Mm -hmm. He gave it to me. Right. And then I was parked somewhere, and he's like, "You probably shouldn't park here." I was like, oh, "I'll just be in and out." So I go out. And I come back. Somebody just. <laughs> Somebody backed up a little bit, knocked her right over, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yep. And, and it still works. I still have mm -hmm. it, but now I look at it like, mm -hmm. praise God, I don't care about it. Because you know? mm -hmm. this world is temporal, and, you know, and the affections for the world are, too. Yeah. You get a new pair of sneakers, you don't want anybody stepping on them. But once they've been stepped on a few times, you see how you don't care? All that stuff is in your mind. Start off with that yeah, mindset. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it does seem like when you get new sneakers, everybody steps on your feet. You ever notice that? Praise yeah. the Lord. I know, right? Praise his name. Hey, you want to step on my sneakers? Exactly. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If the light of... if if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now this reminds me of just two chapters back when the devil said to Jesus, you know, I'll give you all these kingdoms in a moment in time. He showed Jesus the kingdom, but Jesus' eye was single. He didn't want it. When they offered him other things, what did he say? I, serve, uh, I worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So you see, Jesus was single-minded, single of heart, single-eyed. He was only focused on what was. Now, look at how single-minded, single-eyed, and single-heart is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The only three ways that the enemy can attack you. Jesus said, oh, you worrying about what's wrong with your heart? Love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Okay, so that's how you get free. Giving it all to Jesus, loving him. You ain't got time to love anything else but who he tells you to love, to love others, you know? But you love him first. That's how he takes care of that. He said your heart, soul, and mind. What is your mind? Your, your mind, I mean, what is your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. So, man, if God is governing that, <laughs> you know, Christ will manifest.
because your will is like his. Man, so he said, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will either, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You want to know something funny? And this is where the Lord had to check me too. Now, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. And I can say, I don't. I only serve you, Lord. So then why is it when he starts mentioning, you know, the world and the things that are in the world, we can get offended? Think about that. He's showing you that you still got some of the world still in you. So we can say, Lord, I don't serve this. So if the Lord said, okay, well, why don't you do this and that? Why do we get offended? You know why? Because there's something that we still want outside of God. This is where he's checking our heart. And believe me, he's going to do what he needs to do. He's got his time for all of us, but we got to first recognize we cannot serve two. That's right. If we are part-time with Jesus, we are not serving Jesus. We're, we're trying to run back and forth. He's telling us we can't do these things. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now let's get a look at this. These birds are free. They don't even think about what they're going to eat. Every day there's some garbage or something laid out, somebody feeds them or whatever, and they do. You think birds worry about their bills? You think birds worry about their nest being destroyed or who's going to eat what? They don't. But if we, if we could ever really fathom that, that gives you so much freedom. Imagine if you didn't have to worry about where you would eat, where you would sleep, what you would do. Man, that's freedom we're talking about. But you see, in a captive heart, in a double heart, that's, that's fear. Man, that's depressing. You mean to say, I don't know where I'm going to be? But see, that's freedom. But you see, it takes time for a slave to recognize freedom. You know how many slaves, when they were let off the plantation, turned around and ran back? Because they didn't know what the next move was. Why? Because they were captive in their minds. When you look at Egypt, when they were set free, how they longed to go back to Egypt. Oh, man, we had quail. We had all these things when we were back there. God gave them that quail and struck them dead right on the spot because they were after the things of the world and not after God. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we understand that we don't even know what freedom is. We don't know what it is to be single-hearted of Christ. I mean, think about this fully. Have we ever not worried about what we would do on the daily basis? I'm not talking about laying down and sleeping for a whole day. I'm talking about have you ever not worried about anything? But what do we do? All right, got bills coming up, got this, got to finish homework, got to work. Oh, I got to have this report in by Thursday. You know, oh, how many people did I talk to today? Did I give the Lord enough prayer? You see how captive we are in our minds? I mean, and I'm not trying to point, I'm not trying to paint homelessness as freedom, but I'm just trying to say, look at what we're bound to. But he's telling them, don't worry about these things, guys. I've got them. You see how the birds are fed? And you know what? We don't even have to say the birds here. We can say, you see how the homeless people are fed? You see how with all that they go through, for some reason, they just keep on ticking. They just keep on going. You would think, man, this guy should have been dead by now. Oh, as hopeless as his situation is. But you see, God feeds them too. 
Now, we, of course, we wouldn't go into the world with a homeless man's mindset because we know that eternal life is the whole thing. And Jesus says that a man is a servant is worthy of his meat. So do we not think that if we give God full priority over everything that we have, that he wouldn't take care of you? And see, if we got trouble believing that, that's just the singleness of mind that we need to, to have grown in us and not be double-minded. Do you honestly think if you left everything behind to serve the Lord, God wouldn't take care of you? Because then the question would be, what do you really think of him? Think about this. All right, we say that he's faithful, he's true, he's loved. So if he said, go and preach the gospel for me, do we honestly believe that he would meet every need we have? Now, this is a call, guys. This is not something that you just up and mentally ascend to. But if God called you tomorrow, would you believe that he will meet every need? This is all a part of the single eye, single mind. Because if you're conscious of him, what won't you be conscious of? Yeah, bro. A coupling verse I wanted to add to Matthew 6 is 1 Timothy 6, 19. Mm -hmm. uh, starts at 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they might not be high-minded mm -hmm. nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who mm -hmm. giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That's right. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That's that right. That they may lay hold on eternal life. Exactly. And you see, that's what the Lord wanted for them. He knew that, okay, these guys are going to need some things. Right. So that's why he does have rich. Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. You know, but they also, well, exception of Solomon to some degree, they had hearts after the Lord. That makes the biggest difference in this because they're financing that war machine like David's people. They brought stuff. When it was time to build that temple, man, they brought gold, silver, everything that they had, brass, bronze, whatever. Why? Because they wanted to build that temple because they wanted the presence of God that bad. And that's what the situation is for us. So you see, there are some that we meet that might be rich, that may finance and get things going, but they're on board with what God wants. Right. They don't trust in their riches. They trust in Christ. This is only a, a, a mechanism to do God's will with, you know? So right. that's what's so awesome about this is God will use whomever he can, but one thing they need to be is single-minded towards him. Now, I don't know what God's purpose is for everybody here, you know? Garland may be a teacher up there teaching. One day he may just say, you know what? I'm going to start teaching about Jesus up in here. You know, one day the, the, the principal may come in. What are you doing? And Garland may say, you know, I'm preaching Jesus. And by the way, you need to get saved too. Now, what would happen? That man may give his life. See, this is what I'm saying. If we be faithful with what God has given us, he may, he may make something happen. This thing may even turn out, well, yeah, there is prayer. Well, prayer is not allowed in schools anymore, but it is in this school because my servant is here and we have taken back the ground that the enemy has. But see, this is the type of trust that we ought to have towards God. I didn't know that my teacher would allow us to preach in there. I do it every day now. He doesn't care. He said, hey, if anybody wants to talk about their faith in here, I'll back them 100% and say that they have a right to. Did I know that going in? No, but I preach Christ anyway. So you see, 
The devil wants us to shut our mouths. He wants us to be double-minded, double-hearted. But God is trying to show you, keep your eyes focused on me and watch what I will do. It was a pillar of fire by night, a cloud of smoke by day. If they had taken their eyes off of that pillar, that pillar is only going to lead you one place, and that is into the promised land, to where God wants you to be. All right, I'm, I'm not going to go much longer. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Matter of fact, Revelation 3. Revelation 3, and then get 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm done. Revelation 3, and we'll start at verse 14. So this is Revelation 3, this is verse 14. He says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. So, this is important that we understand this, because he's telling them, you guys are lukewarm, I need you to be hot. But what mindset does the church of Laodiceans write? Aside from God, I am rich, increased with goods. So, see, they believe that having godliness is, I mean, having gain is godliness. Then it says, and have need of nothing. So they think that they are perfect without God, trusting in their carnal riches. And knowest not that thou art wretched. That means unclean, aside from God, and miserable. There's no joy where there's no God, and poor. Because, you know, our riches are really our godly inheritance. You know, where we make it into the kingdom, and it says, and blind. You can't even see what's going on, and naked. No God. Many times in the Bible, they were referred to as naked because they did not have God. Okay, so that's important that we understand. If God is your covering, that you are no longer naked. But these people are trusting in their worldly stuff and God is saying, Jesus is saying to them, God, do you even realize what state you're in? You're wretched. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You're miserable. What is, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Paul saying 1 Corinthians 15 and 19, that if you have hope only in this life, in Christ Jesus, you are of all men most miserable. Mm -hmm. And that's what these guys are doing. 18. So look at the goodness of the Lord. I counsel thee to buy from me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. So look at what God wants to give us. He wants you to buy gold. He wants you to buy Christ. He wants you full of the spirit that you may be rich. This is what they were talking about in James 1, lacking nothing. Full of the Spirit. What did Jesus lack? Jesus could break bread and bless it before the Father and feed 5,000. Man. So anyway, he says, um, In the shame of thy nakedness, he would cover. 
do not appear, and anoint thy eye with eye salve that thou mayest see. So you see how you need to be single-minded, single-hearted, you know, and um, you need to be um, single-eyed. You need to be able to see. Your eyes should be single towards God. Why? These things blind you. These things will make you think they're more important than they are. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So if you think about this, you know, how can we hear Jesus knocking at the door when, we, when we're so busy that we can't even be available to him? You know, we got the vacuum running. We got the TV on. We're doing so many different things. But here he is. He's calling and knocking. He's knocking that we might come in, that we will receive him. Yeah. Real quick, uh, this point too here is that as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. That's right. And be zealous, therefore, and repent. You notice he says these things before he says he stands at the door and knocks. Mm -hmm. So it's like if he's calling us, he's got to get that selfish, sinful nature, mm -hmm. worldly nature out of us. Mm -hmm. So the first thing he's going to have to do is rebuke us and chasten us. That's right. You know, just like a loving parent does to their child. You know, if your child's not being obedient, mm -hmm. what do you do to them? That's right. Absolutely. Look at verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So the Spirit is speaking right now. The Spirit is telling us everything that we're going to need in order to overcome and be with God. Mm -hmm. That's important. First Corinthians 10, and I'm done. Can I just read 22 from that verse real quick? Yeah, 933. Go ahead. Um, if he has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Mm -hmm. Notice it says ear, as in singleness of ear. Mm -hmm. And then this, what the Spirit says unto the churches with an S, um, mm -hmm. talking about how you know, unity of Christ, you know, the Spirit, Holy Spirit will be sending the same message to all the churches. That's right. That's right. Hey, good point. Great point. All right, First Corinthians 10, and I'm done. Absolutely. You know, what he wrote to the churches is what he wanted. And he said he loves, like Sarah mentioned, you know, rebukes and chastens. Mm -hmm. Man, God don't want you falling asleep. He loves you. If he didn't care, he would just let you just live. Just enjoy. What a God. Amen. You know, what a true shepherd. And if you're hearing his voice correct you and, you know, teach you, counsel you, be so thankful. Do your best to not be offended if you do try to ask for that to be pulled out of you because, mm -hmm. you know, that means you are hearing what he's asking of you, even if you might not like it. Mm -hmm. You need to get your heart right with him and figure out why he's asking you that. Oh, yeah. These words will cut deep, but, you know, that's all a part of growth. That's what this is about, you know. Man, let it hurt now so it won't hurt later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's right. Amen. All right, so if no one has anything to add, this is 1 Corinthians 10. Let's look at verse 1. I have a rock of offense. Amen. <laughs> exactly. So that's why a lot of people think they would have liked Jesus. What wouldn't he have said different than anything in this Bible? 
he would have said exactly what, you know, what we're reading now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think, oh, if the Lord came, I would have loved him and welcomed him. No, you wouldn't. Not if you love the world. He would have been your enemy and not willing to change. You know? Actually, Sorry, down. Deborah. When yeah. you said, um, you know, he, if God, if he would just let us enjoy it, or how did you say Let us it? just enjoy life. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. I just, my thought was, he also loves us too much to let us just go in the world because he knows that we actually would suffer mm -hmm. in the end because he knows as we pursue those things, we weren't designed for things to be in enjoyed in that way mm -hmm. and so he actually loves us it's not that he wants to keep joy from us it's that he actually wants that joy to be in his will That's right. he doesn't want us to for it to hurt later exactly yeah because you see god you know he has a clear picture like david you know when david was talking about the enemies of him i mean imagine god like we're on a checkerboard and god is just looking at the checkerboard and you don't see the puns and the kings and the enemy on the other side all you see is what you see in the white you know in the white pieces, but God has a clear perspective to see this belongs to my enemy. Right. This is my enemies. That's my enemies. So if you do this, it's going to link you to him. Right. So God is just fighting for his sheep, man. I mean, and it's like, you know how many times God has said, wait, 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 and we, you know, don't touch me. I'll get back to you when I want. And we don't think we do that, but in many cases we do. God may plead with us. The Spirit will speak to you in your sleep. You know, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And we get this mode yeah, in a minute. I hear you, but you got to understand, I got more important things to do. Some ways that hurts God. He said, I'm a jealous God. He said, my name is jealous. My name is jealousy. What is that? In um, Exodus? I think he mentions that. But it's like God really loves us, and he can really see the full picture. But our problem is we can't unless we have the mind of Christ. All we see is bits and pieces of it, but God is standing over the battlefield and he can convey it all. He sees it all. But we're looking at it from an earth level where we just see bits and pieces. So that's why when he's outside of time and space, he can tell the beginning from the end. So when he gives instruction, that's so we won't, you know, be destroyed. Like Deborah was saying, like uh, Christina said, Sarah said, like Sam said, you know, this is what it's about, is being able to have God tell us what to do because we are a bunch of blind sheep we really can't see like god sees and that's just a fact we are sheep i disagree though i don't think it's about joy i think it's about first and foremost not denying god when he reached out to you you know when he says i love you he says don't do that do this not underestimating him and first and foremost looking at the relationship that he's engaged with you and joy comes from that relationship, but mm -hmm. I don't care about joy if I don't have that relationship. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's no joy out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's just the way I see that. Absolutely. If we come before the Lord, but did I say something about joy? No, what she said mean? something about joy. Oh. And, and I think it is joy. And yeah, he does have a plan for you. And it's like, it is trust him uh, for the future because he does have a joyful plan for you in the future. But, uh, you know, like, you don't always know what the outcome is when he says, trust me. Mm -hmm. And the first and foremost point is you just trust him, and you the joy comes from trusting him. You know, there's no joy out of him. It's just that's that's I just I feel as Christians we get this idea that there's joy out of Christ, and there's no joy out of Christ. Well, I mean, Paul did say he joyed and he joyed and he joyed for like his persecution and what he suffered. He gloried in his infirmities. Mm -hmm. And things like that. But do you mean like people seeking joy outside of God? Yeah, outside of uh, God. Like uh, Yeah, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So the, the um, 
carnal world can't give you that. But you think you have in joy, you got in just happiness, happiness. you know, or what do you call it? Right. 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 Yeah, joy is a fruit of the spirit. A lot of people say I feel joy, but they don't even know what that is if they don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. So. And people yeah. turn to like Buddhism and stuff, and they say, "Oh yeah, I feel happy. I feel different. I feel joy." And it's like, no, that's not joy that you're feeling. That's right. Joy only comes from God. Yeah. No, totally. I just didn't know what you meant at first, because I was like, "Huh? Like, did I say something no, about no, joy?" You, what? Uh, what's that? So I was kind of confused too. Yeah, at first. It was just, yeah. it was just the submit, the submission, like submitting to God. I guess is what, what I, like, what I feel is really not. It's not like put at a high place. Mm -hmm. I see like happiness be put higher than this. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, People don't like to obey, but they try to seek their own happiness. And I don't I don't see that. I think the wrong way. I mean, exactly happiness comes from submission. Mm -hmm. Which and that's what I'm saying. I and that's what, that's what that video, remember we were talking about where he said, the only reason why I would encourage people to come to the Lord Jesus is for the Lord Jesus. Yeah. It's not even about, you know, like, like I've even heard some pastors say, oh, men of God to say, even if I didn't make it, I still want to serve the Lord. But man, who can have a heart like that? But only Christ, you know? But man, that's when Christ has been formed in you. When you say, Man, even if I don't make it, I still want to serve the Lord. Man, who could say that? Exactly, because there's always a part in us that say, well, I serve the Lord because I want <laughs> salvation. Salvation is rewarded to overcomers. But they're saying that I love Jesus so much and he lives in me that even if I didn't make it in, he is pleased. He's working through me. He's living in me. Man, that's just something to think about. But... You know, I can't say that I've fully felt that way in my spirit yet, but I've heard it said. But I do understand it better today than I did when I first heard it. But, you know, you still want to work towards that. Because if you knew that you were going to hell, even if you served the Lord and did all that he said, would you really want to serve him like that? Knowing that you would touch the lives of others and others would make it, but not you. Yeah. Moses happened to be that individual. <laughs> you know, Moses happened to be that one that pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. And some of them made it in. He didn't, you know, because he disobeyed the God, though. It wasn't that God didn't do anything for him, but that's all a part of that true ministry, you know, loving the people, loving what God wants to do through you. I, I do think that Christ in you is a total selfless life. I really do believe that. I believe that you really don't think of yourself. Jesus never thought of himself. Even when he said, Father, let this cup pass for me, but let your will be done. And he prayed it twice and he got no answer because the father said, hey, just as I sent you, you ought to look after them. You know, and the third time Jesus said, rest on now. He was ready at that point, but it took prayer to break through. What was coming on Jesus? The flesh of Jesus. This thing will not be fully submitted. This thing will fight back. Jesus did not want to, he did not want to die. He did not want to suffer the pain he suffered, but love for the father made him endure what he adored so that the Father might be glorified and that we may be with him in eternity one day. So Jesus didn't, you know, give us salvation for himself. He did it for the Father's will and that, you know, we may have eternal life with him. Man, that's what you call trust. Yes, Stephen. And I'm pretty sure his walk of having to go on the cross was not joyful. You know, oh, like, man. it was very painful. And, but he obeyed. Right. 
and now look at him, you know? That's right, sitting on the right hand of God. But that's what it says. If we suffer with Christ, we'll also be raised with Christ. Mm -hmm. So where do Christians think today in 2018, I don't need to suffer to serve the Lord? Man, we've got a real bad mistake. We're making a big mistake in who we believe God is and what he says. We're going to be, imagine this, you're sitting with David, Joshua, you know, Peter, all these guys who have resumes, who died for the gospel, who lived every day to serve the Lord. And you think we're just going to come in there half-stepping and then we're going to sit amongst men that have resumes before the Lord? Not going to happen. To him that overcometh, seven times he said to seven churches, to him that overcometh will inherit the things that God wants him to have. We've got to be overcomers. And not one of us in here has it in us to, to make it through except Christ in you. He's the only conqueror that we know. He's the only conqueror we will ever know. So we need Christ in us to get the job done. That's true. Our eyes are too greedy. Trust me. Our minds are too filled. Our hearts are too complacent. We need the mind, heart, and, um, and eyes of Jesus Christ that we may be single. So true. All right. So 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. Moreover, brethren... I would not that ye should be ignorant. You see how he's telling them? Don't be ignorant. So where people think you can ignore things, man, you can't. How that our, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses and the cloud, uh, in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So as you can see, Paul's saying, don't be ignorant. He goes back to a story almost 2,000 years ago, maybe 1,500 years ago. Guys, I want you to take a look at this. Don't be ignorant. All those people were baptized of Moses. All those people saw the miracles of God. But, you know, it didn't change some of them. Verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So do we serve the same God today, yesterday, and forever? Amen. Absolutely. That's why you can go to God at any place in time and make your point. He is the same God today. So it says, oh, so they lusted after evil things. That's what stopped them. Neither be ye idolaters, as some were of them, as it is written, the people sat down eat, to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you see that? Playing, playing ain't used much in this Bible, but every time it is, it's in a negative form. And there's nothing wrong with joy and laughter and things like that, but we got to understand, at the time when God needs us to be busy for him, we shouldn't be playing. We shouldn't be asleep at the wheel. We should be sober. Be serious. Verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them were also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So he's telling you here, those who didn't make it, he's laying it all out. This is what stopped these people from having the spirit. And you know what? It's still working today. The devil never changes his tricks. All he does is find new audiences to perform the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Look at verse 11. 
Now all these things happen unto them for in, in samples, like examples, and they are written for our admonition, our warning, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. So does this sound like an enemy that we can ignore? Does this sound like, you know, we've all got it made? He said, hey, if anyone thinking here that he standeth, take heed lest you fall. No matter what, we ought to be focused on Jesus, but we ought to be aware that we are at war. Okay? Don't fall like these people did. They thought because they were out of Egypt, all their problems were finished. Well, the wilderness claimed more lives than Egypt ever did. In the soul, what we feel, what we want, what we desire, they all need to be brought unto Christ. Verse 13, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So see, but God is faithful, whom will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So see, God always has a way of getting us out of what, we, what we're in or what we might be dealing with. But the question is, do you even want to leave? You see, where's your heart? Is it single for Christ or is it after what you want? And he said, you know, those such things that fall, temptations taken you, but uh, such as is common to man. So it's not like there's some grand scheme going on. Everything that's taken man out before is taken man out today. But he's saying God is making a way of escape. But do we want to go? Verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, uh, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So you see, all after Christ. Um, I also got to tell you guys, because I meant to say it, and I shouldn't have taken this long, but my plan, because the Lord was telling me to, was to do the Lord's Supper tonight, you know. So uh, my apologies for holding everybody. You know, I got into all of this, but... That's what, you know, we want to do. If anyone doesn't want to participate or they do, you know, more than well. Yes, sir. I'm going to make a point, too, about he's able to make a way out mm -hmm. so we may bear it. What if that way out is death? Because he died on the cross for our sins. That's right. So what if that is our way out? If That's the only like, way out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like death, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, we're going to go through. But like you're saying, do we want out? Mm -hmm. So what if our only way, like our only way out, is through death, whether mm -hmm. physical or spiritual? That's right. You know, what if that's the way? We can't just think of, well, the Lord's going to take His hand back and take all this evil off of me. Mm -hmm. You know, what if? You know. And that's what we got to understand about Adam. Adam doesn't want Jesus. Mm -hmm. Adam loves the world. Adam loved Eve more than God. That's something that we got to understand about this curse because we inherited it. Adam is not going to want the things that Jesus wants. I know Adam was the first man, and he was made with the glory of God. Adam has changed since then. So now we need the second Adam to get the job done. I really like mm -hmm. what you said, Sarah. Yeah, mm -hmm. If death in itself is your way out, if that's God's will for you, mm -hmm. you are commissioned to take joy in that. That's right. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I was trying to say earlier. It's like 
joy for you can look different than joy for me because joy is just being in God's will. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christina. Um, a scripture that takes back what you said earlier on um, James 4 and 9, where you draw not a guy. 4 8, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. And, well, 4 9 says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Amen. 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 There's a lot of scriptures I had tonight. I was just like, man, I'm glad you guys are hitting them because I knew I wouldn't have time. I talk too much. We kept you, man. That's right. You guys helped me, man. Help the Lord. The Lord spoke through everybody here. All right, so this is verse 19. What say I then, that an idol is anything, or that uh, which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? So he's saying, what are you saying? Is it no big deal, even though this types of works have claimed the lives of so many. But I say uh, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, this is the world, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So you know why Jesus um, obeyed the Father and kept going forward? He knew that just even showing Satan that he was the son of God would have provoked God to jealousy because Jesus had to hang on every word that his father had. Now, so that's what I'm praying for tonight, that we have more obedience toward the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, obedience is the biggest thing that we should have, hearts after Jesus. Hearing hearts, they hear what he has to say concerning us, his people. So you see, we can't drink from two cups. You're either going to be sustained by one or the other. Little by little, like I said, God is working that out. You know, at one point, I remember it was 90 world, 10% Jesus. You know, now it's starting to be 50-50. Now it's going to be 60-40. Then it's going to be 70-30. But God is working you out of this. We got to understand, the closer we draw to him, he's working his way. He's working you out of Egypt into the wilderness, unto the promise. God does not keep us in stationary positions forever. It's always a migration to move closer from faith to faith, glory to glory. We have to grow in Christ. And as we grow, our appetites grow. Our perspective begins to grow. Our hearts grow towards Christ. That's what we want. You know, so I just want to tell people, you know, be single-hearted towards the Lord. Because if we're not single-hearted, we're idolaters, you know, we're fornicators, we're adulterers. And that's why he tells you in James 4, because we quoted so many times tonight, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is the enemy of God. Therefore, if you be, if, if, what does it say? If you be a um, friend of the world, you are the enemy of God. So what we got to understand is how to walk with the Lord. And, you know, if we be faithful with what he's given us, Man, the Lord will show up and do. You know, let's see, stand for him. But you know what standing for Jesus is going to do? Persecute you. It's going to get you in all sorts of trouble. The world's going to turn on you. And you know what? Good. Because that'll keep our minds focused on where the enemy is and where God is. But this is all something that we grow in grace. It's a process. So you got something to present? Because after you, we're going to do Lord's Supper, all right? Okay. Is that okay with everybody? Anybody got to leave? Carl said, I'm tired. (laughs) 
Carl was so quiet tonight. He didn't say one word. Um, this whole, this last scripture you read uh, about drinking of the two cups. Mm-hmm. Just really reminded me of like you know we don't live by bread alone, but every spiritual thing that we feed us is just reminding that what we feed ourselves is what we become. And same right. with that of the world. Are you feeding yourself with the world, the devil's cup, mm-hmm. or of the word of God? That's right. That's right. Because you see, the two are contrary ones. They don't get along. I mean, you know, Jesus said we, the Bible says that God made the heavens and the earth. The devil tells you you were a monkey six million years ago that evolved. See, the, the two were opposite, totally opposite. Let's go to Psalm 116, please. And we'll start at verse 1. Psalm 116 and verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I fell in trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. So here, David's talking about, and you got to love the Psalms of David because they just really come out of a, of a pure heart and a heart asking for forgiveness. And he sees all the, the pains and the, you know, the, 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 the death of hell. What does it say here? Um, the sorrows of hell compassed me. So it's like we can say that we go through this occasionally. You know, it seems like everything's falling apart in our life, and the Lord's right there. He just wants us to call upon Him. Verse 5 Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Amen to that, because I definitely know that our God is merciful. Verse 6 The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and He helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. So whenever we're feeling in our getting in our feelings and emotions, and it just seems like, Lord, where are you? Let's remember everything that the Lord has already done for us. The fact that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day should be enough. But it's not for our carnal little pea brains to think about. And don't forget where you came from. Exactly, that too, yes. And what he's doing for you in the present, being still in the moment and being thankful for waking up and, you know, a roof and blankets or whatever he's done to take care of you. Like, Amen. Be thankful for the simple. Exactly. That's so true. Verse 8. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will, will, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. So it said he believed in what happened next. He was greatly afflicted. So if we believe, we have to understand that this is going to happen to us. Believe, speak, afflicted. Exactly. You know? So first it was belief. Exactly. Verse 11, I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? 
I will take the cup of salvation, and I shall call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows now unto the Lord in the presence of all his people. So he didn't do this in secret. He did this in front of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why is that? Because the death of his saints means that these people were willing to do everything, even if death was the cost. Yeah. Willing to do everything. So that's why he saw it was precious. O Lord, I am truly thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. So if we trust in the Lord, he will take all of our bonds from us, but we have to trust in him first. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows now unto the Lord, now in the presence of his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. I don't know who's taking uh, Lord's Supper with us tonight, but you know what scriptures we go over before we begin. So let's go to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 11. Did you have anything or no? You're... Oh, you do? You sure? Oh, we can take it right after. You sure? Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't even think of that. Man. get into it in a minute. You know, let's just um, have one hand in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll get right in it. Because I was just thinking about how um, we were talking about just joy in God, you know, and um, just how a lot of the world, they see that obedience as just taking your fun away, you know, mm-hmm. and just how with us, we know how good it feels to actually walk inside of obedience, you know, and the thing about obedience is like, you don't understand it, you know, until you walk in it for a long time and like Mm. that's almost like the irony of it you know like you have to walk in it for a long time to develop that experience you know and then you see like okay I might not understand right now you know but obviously if God's asking me to do this and take this step then this is something that I have to do because it's going to benefit you know Amen. and it's funny because we talk about like Jesus's life like it wasn't joyful you know but like I just think about where true joy comes from and that's like inside the spirit you know and I picture my inner man you know and like the strength of the inner man and I just picture what Jesus's inner man was like Mm -hmm. and like true joy now as someone that you know follows Christ and like that's truly where my desires are you know that's the only time I do find joy whether it is in those times of like 
morning or things like that because mm-hmm. even in morning it's like you're so much more alive than people that have to like go watch a sad movie or like go watch like a scary mm-hmm. movie or something like that but we get to show share in the heart of Jesus Christ and actually truly feel what he feels you know and like that is joy you know because he's there he's comforting us and even I think about too like you pushing through something like whatever it is you pushing through like you truly believe deep down that you can do this thing even though in in the moment it might be painful it might be tough but at the same time if you're pushing through you're pushing through because you know that you can do this thing you know and then Mm -hmm. once you do how good does it feel, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what I think about, like, of course, like, Jesus suffered at that cross, and I can never say anything or take anything the way that he did, you know? But I just can't imagine either being that ultimate sacrifice, knowing in faith you going into that, what it's going to bring, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's joy, you know? That's true joy. That's why he tells us count the cost, you know, because he knows everybody is not taking that trip. But you're right, brother. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So that's the thing about pushing through. It, it starts there. It starts in your mind, you know. And our mind, we know any thought that comes in, it could be, you know, for anything. But that's why we cast those things down in our minds are aligned with Christ. Amen. So you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So this verse just nailed me in the heart so hard today, you know, just thinking about this. Like, I don't know why. I have it highlighted, but it's never resonated this way. But, like, how many of us would shed blood, like, shed blood before we sin? You know, like, how, mm-hmm. who would who would actually do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it talks about uh, mortifying the deeds or mortifying mortifying the deeds of the flesh, you know, or even like cutting off your own arm or your own eye and casting it into the fire, and that's better, you know. But here it's like, how many of us hate sin this much? Like this is how much we have to hate it. Amen. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my sons, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, like we talked about earlier. He loves us. He's a zealous God. Mm-hmm. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So that stuff, he only does it so he can call his sons, and we're not bastards because he does that. Amen. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we got to endure this. So if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be with, without chastisement, we're all are partakers then ye are bastards and not sons furthermore we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we give them reverence shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live so before me and Derek and Sarah we were talking about just how certain certain parents are just allowing things you know things that you gotta draw the line you know you gotta not allow it at all 
and just how fearful we were of our parents you know like if we got caught doing this like no no way you know way the drugs the alcohol all that no way and it's because they truly love us why they were that hard about it you know they were that hard because they knew how corrupting that stuff is it's straight from satan it's that's gross stuff you know you got to stay away from that and how much more god you know should we fear you know he has the power to throw it kill us again after we've already died you know but thank you he's a god of love and that's not his desire but he is a god of justice and that's what he will do and it's for the greater good that we can understand because god's thoughts are way higher than ours we just know to be obedient amen so for they verily for a few days did i read all that verse Mm -hmm. nine you're at verse 10 no verse 11 I mean verse 10 for verily for they verily for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness so that's what I was talking about a little bit before like Mm -hmm. him telling us urging us to do it we just do it because we know it's gonna be towards holiness Mm -hmm. and we get to partake now no no chastening for the present seem to be joyous but grievous Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby, the fruit mm-hmm. of righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's so funny. That hits the heart on the point. Yeah. It's like no chastening for the present seems just, it's no, like no discipline will ever look joyous to you. Mm-hmm. For the present, but grievous. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby that's right yeah. there is no 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 persecution no affliction no fruit that's just it yeah. this is like it's one it. of my favorite scriptures 11 and i always um i i read it to every single one of my volleyball team um just about like training and stuff so mm-hmm. kind of awesome Jim. yeah <laughs> and so much more than that it's about who you're becoming right you know so it says, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. So it's interesting, like, just the lifting up of hands, you know, like, that's that's a position of surrender, right? It's a position of just vulnerability, mm-hmm. vulnerability and just saying, like, I give it up to you, God. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now notice he mentioned straight paths here, too. We were talking about being single. So, I mean, it's like everything here is being touched in one. We've done this before. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Amen. Where does it say straight paths? Oh, in verse 13. So and make straight paths for your feet. So, Amen. Yeah. And we won't stumble in these straight paths, you know. That's I right. mean, of course, there'll be times when we're tempted and, mm-hmm. you know, we are, if we're not following the Holy Spirit, we are vulnerable that will stumble but as long as we're walking in the spirit we won't stumble you're aligned with god he's a lamp to our feet that's right right. follow peace with all men and holiness which without which no man shall see the lord looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of god god forbid lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled lest there be any fornication or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So I was just kind of 
recalling a vision and reading this thing and thinking about, I had seen someone upside down on the firmament and there was like a snagged line. And I looked down and the line was directly connected to me. And I looked down and the person was on the wrong side of the firmament. It was like, I was on top looking down at this person and I reached my hand down to him, you know, like asking, you know, like asking, like, you're so close. Like, let me help you up, you know? And then he just looks at me and says, I'm good where I'm at. And the line just snaps and I just crush, you know, like I, I fall to my knees. Then I just hear the spirit just tell me like, not everyone's going to choose me, you know? And it just right here, it's like, it's everyone's birthright to do this. You know, this is why Jesus Christ died. And it's, that's what he wants. He wants to see all of us saved, you know, Mm -hmm. but in that free will, it's also our choice. He's not going to force that upon us. And we have to cherish those things that he gives us, you know, um, cherish them by actually acting out in this thing and walking it out. So for, you know, how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessings, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So our God, he, he obviously, it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? Mm-hmm. But he's also a God of justice. He's, I don't know, like when I was thinking about someone slapping God, you know, I'm just like, what? You know, like that doesn't even make sense. So this right here, and then it says he tried so hard right here to get get what he gave away with tears. He was mourning, you know, but at this point, he's going to be turned away, right? Mm-hmm. And that sounds rough. That sounds, you know, like, God, why didn't you just take him back, you know? But that's a deeper issue for you to get rid of your inheritance that way, you know? You don't actually want God. That's right. You have no respect for his birthright. I'm going to let us do communion. All right. Sounds good. Um, So, yeah, that's awesome, bro. Because, I mean, you summed up a lot of the stuff that we were talking about tonight. So, I mean, the Lord definitely wanted us on one accord. You know, so let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and let's start at verse 17. So this is Paul here speaking. You know, he's speaking to the church at Corinth, and he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together, not for the better. Sorry, guys. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. So he says, um, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which approved may be made manifest among you. So notice, Paul first notices divisions. Then he says, because of that division, there must be heresy. You see, because if all believe the same, then they're all on one accord. What is heresy? False doctrine. You know, so if you think about it, how could there be division in a body of believers if there isn't also heresy that is present? 
So you see, these people are not single. Uh, they're all over the place. If it's all in the Word of God, how could there be heresy? Exactly. Division. Oh, wow. Exactly. Look at verse 20. When you come together, therefore, unto one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So he's saying some people would come together in this time that they would, um, they did, probably didn't have anything to eat or they could have eaten at home, but they came to actually eat and drink the Lord's Supper, but it was not a sacrifice unto the Lord. It wasn't communing with the Lord. They were doing it upon their own selfish pleasures, okay, their flesh. So he says in 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my um, body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye shall shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So what we got to understand here is, as we talked about so many times in the past, the Lord's Supper is a very, very, very serious thing. I know in, in a lot of cases you see in churches, they just hand out the juice and crackers and they just look at it like, well, you know, if you want to you do it, you do it. But it's saying here that we ought to examine ourselves. For if we eat and drink of this cup unworthily, that, you know, it can be damnation to our souls. So we've got to understand if we be of the body of Christ, we ought to live as Jesus lived. We ought to strive as he tells us to. We ought to run this race, race with patience, but not mentally ascended examining ourselves to see if we are worthy to drink of that cup. Okay, and then we're going to find out why. So he says, for if we would judge out, oh, look at verse 30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So many people have died playing around with this sort of thing. And he said, weak and sickly. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So you see, we're chastened, so we won't be condemned. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye um, come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So as of right now, we're going to take a moment to all self-reflect, to see where we are, you know, to come before the Lord 
If we have any sins before we partake in the Lord's Supper, let us do this so that we know whether or not we are worthy. If there's any sins that we've committed, confess them before the Lord and see what he tells you. But we have to have a self-reflective moment at this time to see where we are with the Lord. So let us do so, and then we'll continue. I'm going to read Luke 22 when we're done, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, I'll do it when we get okay. go there. So I'll just go to Luke 22 right now. And uh, you just take this moment. So, um, so I'll begin in verse 16. This is Luke 22. And he says, For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, This, this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of, the, of God shall come. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. So, you know, I guess we can all eat. But, you know, this is a very serious thing. This is one of those things where it would be as if we were sitting amongst the Lord ourselves on that day of the supper. So we can all eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. This is Luke, this is uh, verse 20. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. 
and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. Woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. So we may all drink together. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time that you've given us, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that are partakers of your word. Let this supper not be in vain, Lord. Let it glorify you. Let it be done in a manner that we truly understand where we are as those who are single in mind, single in heart. And I just pray, Lord, that if we suffer with anything that is keeping you, us from following you fully, I pray in Jesus' Jesus. name, Lord, that you release us from it. And I pray that your spirit will be imparted to everyone in this room. And we just thank you for being good. You are good, God. You are so good. You never forget your people. You only take us through, Lord, because you want the fruit to be grown in us. Lord, we just love you. And we don't really have the words to express right now. All we ask, Lord, is that you stay with us and that we remain faithful with you. And if there be any will that you, for anybody in this room, I pray in Jesus' name that you grant it to them, that you make their paths plain, that you make them clear, that you allow us to pursue you, Lord, where we need to, that we may reap eternal life. So I just pray in Jesus' name over my sister Melissa and her son, Lord. I pray that you bind the devil, Lord, that has him, and that you set her free. Give her strength in this walk that she may follow you. I pray for my sister Christina, Lord. You poured on her a gift of teaching. Lord, whatever it is that's plaguing her, whatever it is that is in her life, I pray, Lord, that you grant it to her, that you take away those things that are keeping that fruit from growing. I pray for my sister Sarah, Lord, when all you've given her with evangelism, that you continue to bless her, Lord, and watch over her and keep her. For she is a faithful child unto you, Lord, and I pray that you pour more into that cup. With my brother Carlin, that you have shown many signs and visions, Lord, and given things to. That you've given him new responsibility in the body of Christ. I pray that you pour unto his spirit, Lord, that his cup runneth over that he continue to go in your ways, Lord, lacking nothing. And for my sister Deborah, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, you have given her a gift of praise. I pray, Lord, that you heighten her voice beyond limits, Lord, that man has not ever seen. May you anoint her voice that when they hear her sing, that people will give their lives unto the Lord. Pour unto her spirit that she may have. And my brother Sam, Lord, who's been given many responsibilities in your name as a faithful man of God, I pray that you pour more power unto his life. I pray that you give him more understanding that he may govern your church as you have asked him to. Lord, so let this cup runneth over. Let it overflow. Let your spirit pour in every one present that we may receive what you have for us. Lord, we pray that, we do, that you do these things for your glory and your honor. And if anyone else wants to pray, they may. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Lord God, we can't begin to thank you enough for everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. And for your goodness and, and knowing and understanding what that goodness is all about, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. 
Because if we are true children of yours, then you have done a miraculous and supernatural work in our life that the carnal man cannot see. <clears throat> and to that end, Lord Jesus Christ, you turn us around and you send us back out into the world, not to be as they are, but to tell them of what you've done for us so they may see. Yes, Lord. But it is also evident, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are living in the last days. And that is something that we have to get through our minds. Thank you, Lord. That we are in a spiritual warfare. That this war is not played out in the carnal means by weaponry that we can see. But it's a, mind, it's a war of the mind. It's a war for our will. It's a war for the spirit. Yes, Lord. And the choice that we have to make, Lord Jesus Christ, before it gets too late, is are we going to actually partake in that warfare? And if we are, we can't await or we can't wait for things to get hot and heavy. We've yes, got to do Lord. it now. Thank you, Jesus. And I speak to myself when I say that, Lord, because of everything that you've taken away from me. Because had Lord. it not been for you, Lord Jesus Christ, I probably would be dead and in hell right now. But it was your grace and it was your love and it was your mercy 2,000 yes, years Lord. ago that saw you, to Jesus. the future to saw the life that I was living. But that's not something that we can just hold within ourselves and say, hope everyone else gets it. You gave us your living examples that we would go out into the world and no matter what people say, because they're not talking to us, it's Jesus Christ in us. So Lord God Almighty, loose the colt and loose our lips, as it says in Psalm 51. Yes, Lord. I will teach transgressors thy way. So, Lord God Almighty, do this for each and every one of us if you truly am desiring to have a walk after you. Yes, Lord. That you free our minds, that you loose our bonds, as it says in Psalm 116. Mm. That we are your servant. I am your servant and the son of thine handmaid. So, if we truly believe this within ourselves, Lord Jesus Christ, then we have to forget everything else. All of our earthly, worldly, carnal desires have got to be crucified, they've got to be killed off, that we may arise in the likeness of you, Lord Jesus Christ, yes, that we Lord. will war a good warfare. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God Almighty, because without you, none of us would be here today. Yes, Lord. It is a true transformation. In Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. most holy name I pray. In Jesus' amen. name, amen. Yes, Lord, and Lord, we pray for Derek and his ministry. He's touching everything he's doing, Father. He's having a multiple effect, God. It says that some will bring 20, some will bring 60, some will bring 100, Lord. And I see Derek, Father, and he's a seed that's bringing 100, Lord. Praise and I see him, Lord, Lord, with the hunger and for your truth and for your word and for your wisdom, God. So I pray that you give him more freely, Father. I pray that your spirit pours out on him, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Just plague any spirit that tries to come on him and tries to, to lie to him and tell him Jesus he's doing name. anything wrong, Lord. We just plague that spirit in the name of Jesus, Send Father. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for more burdens to be put on his heart, Father. More revelations, more strategy, God. When things are going down, Father, I pray that he knows about it hours, days, years ahead, Father. Yes, Lord. Where, Lord, he is faithful and, and he is uh, he's quick to reveal it, Lord. So I thank you, Father, for bringing up such a teacher, Father, that is hungry for your word. Thank you, Father, for bringing up a community of people that are hungry for your word, for your truth, God. Thank and are not, not just uh, here just to make things look peachy, Father, but are here to deal with where things are right now. Thank you, Jesus. Worse ever, ever than, than ever before, Lord. 
So, Lord, we just take that burden, Father, and we, we mourn, Father, for your presence on earth, Father. Yes, we Lord. hunger, Father, for your truth to be revealed to our minds, to our hearts, to our souls, Father. And we pray, Father, that every word that we speak, Father, could resemble what you want us to see, what you want us to look like, Father. Yes, Thank Lord. You, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for this amazing fellowship, Lord, and just group of people, Father. And we're just so blessed to know that wherever we are, Lord Jesus, that your spirit and us that have near to hear your spirit, Lord Jesus, yes, Lord. you are saying your message, Lord Jesus, to everyone, Father. Thank so you, we Lord. just thank you, Lord, that you continue to lead us and help us seek after wisdom, Lord. And Father, as we chase her, Lord, as we truly just use that as hidden treasure, Father, and hold on to every single word that you give us, Lord, and we don't let go of that vision, Father, yeah, I just Lord. pray that you continue to reveal more and more as we walk this thing out, Lord, as our patience is being built with our experience, Father, as our enduring, our long-suffering is continuing to grow up, Father, yes, Lord. and Lord, no matter what trials that we're going through, Father, we're still full of joy because we know that this life is temporary, Father, and our treasures, our life is truly hidden in Hallelujah. you, Father, and that's yes, what Lord we're Jesus. laying forth towards, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So thank you, Lord, as we just as we just remind ourselves, Lord, and we we took communion, Father, and we we're just remembering what you did for us and you, we're Jesus. so thankful for it, Father. And Lord, I just pray that you just continue to be the light, Father, the light inside of us, Lord, because it says that you, Jesus Christ, you are the light of every single man, Father. So we just pray for a fervence, Lord, a renewed fervence, a true love for you, Lord Jesus. And we don't want to slip back at all, Father. And we know that your spirit is upon us, and we know that that is impossible. But still, Father, please keep us accountable for it, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for a study tonight that directs us right back on you, Lord. I pray that everyone listening and everyone here and everyone in this ministry fight for you, Lord Jesus, because we yes, know Lord. that the mighty take it by force, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we be single in heart, single in mind, yes, single Lord. in eyes and our sight, that we only see you, because there is only one God, Lord Father. And I pray, and there's only one way to you, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who went on the cross and sacrificed himself for yes, us Lord. so that the sinners could be saved, Lord Jesus, so we could be upon grace and receive that free gift of grace, Lord Jesus. Thank and I pray you. that you allow us to go out and speak our testimony upon others, Lord, and not hold our tongue. Yes, Lord, I pray Lord. that the Spirit comes upon us and we speak, and that we fear you, Lord Jesus, that we see you upon us and asking us and knocking for us to minister to those people next to us, Lord, that we see in pain, that we see in sin, Lord Jesus. I I ask that we just don't see them, Lord, but we act. We be examples of the believers, Lord, in our conversation, Lord, in our purity, in our love, in the way everything that we do, Lord, that we be examples, Lord, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at, if we're at work, where they tell us we can't. Lord, I 
I say your law is above any law, Lord yes, Father. Lord. And I pray that we step into it in faith, Lord Jesus. Thank you, and I Jesus. pray that all these seeds that were planted tonight with the word of God be planted in good soil, yes. fertile soil, soil. And I pray that you pour down showers of rain Thank upon you, us to water us, Lord Jesus, to give us the nutrients and the minerals to grow, Lord, to have our Thank roots you, just grounded in you, grounded in Christ, grounded in the rock, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. And I pray that this in your light comes down upon us as food, Lord Jesus, as the light that just goes yes, out into Lord. the world, Lord, and that we speak your truth, Father. I pray this among us all, and that we feel your growing pains, and yes, we Lord. feel joy in your tribulations, in your tests, when you exercise our faith, when you give us discipline, Lord Father. I thank pray you, that Lord. we thank you, that we put up our hands, and we praise you, we worship, and we sing a new song to you, yes, no matter Lord. what we're going through, through our mourning, through our tears. Lord, all of it, Lord, I just pray that we keep our eye on you and we be thankful yes, and Lord. we be lowly, Lord Jesus, and we put the kingdom first and everything else will follow, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.